We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan. Bears on the clock. Bears on the clock. Bears have the number one pick in the draft. There's all sorts of stuff floating around around that. We're finding out that Justin Fields did indeed, yes, unfollowed bears on instagram man bro i'm glad we're talking about it because people why do people take social media so serious like <laughs> listen that like i still mess with the bears listen that i'm just trying to take a little break i unfollow the bears and the nfl bro i'm not just trying to have football on my timeline it's it's something that i don't want to see in my timeline i'm about to go on vacation i don't want to see no football and guess mm, what every okay. bears post we want like it's dude, annoying we want yeah. it. like it's just bro like it's time david haw Justin Fields sounded like he was welcoming the opportunity to set the record straight yes. on whether or not he unfollowed the Bears on Instagram never or followed. never, ever, ever, ever followed them in the first place. Mm. I know y'all mess with a girl, EQ, especially you. Just because you don't follow the girl on IG don't mean you're not messing with her. Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 till 10 a.m. on 6.70 The Score. What's up, Mully Haw? Awesome show, man. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Let's set the record straight. Justin Fields did follow the Bears on Instagram, and then he unfollowed them. That happened. Huge deal, big deal. Massive story breaking yesterday as he admitted that. Morning, Mully. It's Thursday. Yes, happy Thursday. If you say so, okay. I, I I'm just saying it's a story. It happened. It is a story. A lot of people talking about it. He, entertaining podcast with the St. Brown yeah. brothers. That yeah. was as loose and as relaxed as I think we've ever seen Justin Fields talking fun. about things. And he did get into the whole Instagram saga. It is a saga. He also said that in mm. exasperated fashion, as we heard coming in, why does everybody take social media so seriously? It's a very good question. Um. Well... I mean, I, I, I think that people attempt to monitor what athletes are thinking, and it's as simple as that. There's, you know, social media is a way for players to connect to fans, whether they realize it or not. And there's so many guys that are on it and that are, you know, sharing their thoughts, et cetera. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people in the world that are on it sharing their thoughts. And, um, yeah, I think that it's just a methodology of keeping track of people. I, I don't think it's, I don't think everyone takes it especially serious, but I do think that it's um, it's interesting given what's going on uh, in his life. And he he was very frank about it and talked about everything on social media is either 
we want Justin or we want Caleb. And, and you know, that is a reality. The Bears are in this uh, really strange situation. And I listened to a little bit of the town hall uh, yesterday, and it's it's still surprising to me what how many people believe that they'd be making a, stake, a mistake to move on from Justin Fields and how many people – think that they there this is one of these very strange issues where everybody seems kind of at loggerhead yeah about. I think it's still a very lively debate because the Justin Fields crowd is very passionate and loyal because they like everything about him as an athlete and how he represents the organization in the city very likable guy I think that there's no doubt about it this is the way that young athletes communicate these days so social media, I don't know if this is to be taken seriously, but it does provide cues to what they're thinking and how they're behaving. But uh, but I also don't think that reading into him unfollowing the Bears and once he followed the Bears is a sign of really anything except for uh, uh, an attempt to isolate himself and relax when he get when he's getting away to, as he said, get away from the football mentions on his feed and try to kind of insulate himself from all of the anxiety that is going on from the debate. He doesn't want to take part in it. He doesn't want to listen to it. He's tired of hearing it. And I get that. He wants it over with. Yeah, this is his, this is really the equivalent, you know, we, five years ago or whatever it was, Mitch Trubisky, we made a lot of news. They want to turn the TVs off in the house hall. Why did he want to do that? Well, because it can get loud. It's noisy being the Bears quarterback, especially when you're not, reaching and meeting expectations. This is Justin Fields' version, unliking the Bears or unfollowing the Bears on Instagram, of turning the TVs off at Hallis Hall. He's trying to mute the noise that is getting too loud for him in the offseason. And I understand. I understand that. Um, I feel, I think that he is in about as difficult a spot as you can be in as an athlete. Because I think that he likes his job and he likes being here and he likes being quarterback of the Bears and he's comfortable in that position and they are improving. And you see the team getting better and I'm sure that he believes in his heart with the amount of money they have uh, in the offseason, the amount of moves they could do in free agency were they Mm -hmm. um, kind of motivated to do so. I don't know how motivated they are to spend a ton of money. I, I do think that they need to take care of some of their own, et cetera. Um, but also the the number of draft picks and all the things that are, are kind of looking out for the Bears, I think they're in a really good position. I think Justin Fields, like a lot of athletes at this stage in their career, has absolutely no control over what's going to happen. And I think that's a real – like he, you know, you can ask him what he thinks of Pittsburgh. You can ask him, oh, what would it be like at Atlanta with everybody asking you for tickets? Whatever it might be, you can have a fun conversation about that stuff, but he can't choose where he goes. He can't choose whether he stays. And I think that's just a really difficult spot for anyone to be in. For anybody who especially is in command at the quarterback position at all times, and so much depends on his ability to control the situation, right? Every Sunday, the every series, every yeah, huddle. You're right. So when he loses that kind of control, you're 24 years old. I understand he's going to try to do what? Control whatever he can. Yes. And if he's got if, if he's got a mechanism, if he's got a way that he can turn down the noise 
on all of the speculation that has become tiresome to a lot of people, us included. I mean, sure. there's there are days. And so what does he do? He goes to his social media feed where he basically spends much of his life. Young, young athletes sure. today, they spend a lot of their lives on social media. And he turns it down a notch. How can you do that? Well, I don't want to listen to what the speculation is on following my team. Does that mean I want to be traded? Does that mean I'm going to welcome a trade? Don't know, but this is the only thing I can control, so I'm going to start here. It's kind of like anybody in a situation when they're trying to – he's going on vacation apparently. Yeah, he said that. When you get away, you know, I don't check the text line when I'm on vacation. I don't want anything to do. Most of us try to get away and to try to separate yourself from the kind of things that might trigger you. And Justin Fields doesn't want to be triggered by the speculation, and he, he's entitled to that. you got to go on vacation. I mean, when's yeah. the last time you went on a really good vacation? Where did you go? Think about it. It's it's like, you know. Me? Well, I, any I, of us, but you is a good one. <laughs> I mean, I, I I can't remember the last time I went on vacation. I think I went spring break last year to Arizona. You just went to Montreal. Yeah, but that wasn't like a week, and that wasn't vacation. Right. I just... I just went in and out of Montreal to see a hockey I went game. to the Poconos, had an encounter with the bear, and drove around um, a lot of mountains. And that That's was, true. That was entertaining. That was, that was a getaway. I wasn't checking anything except for, you yeah. could You could have said that sentence like 40 or 50 years ago, and everybody would be like, oh, yeah, I know that. <laughs> exactly. It's so funny. I went to the Poconos. Uh, the Poconos was fun. That was a nice getaway. I, I wasn't checking um, was Ralph Cramden there? Email? No, he wasn't see? there. Not that I recall. Oh, okay. there were a lot, it, was, it was an older. It was an older crowd. It was an older crowd. We got. We had a good time. But those kinds of things. When you do go away, you want to get away mentally. Is an escape, and yes, you're you so want to right. recharge. Yep. I don't blame him. I, I I I was more entertained by how candid he was with with a comfortable, uh. You know, with with a comfortable crowd, the St. Brown brothers, sure, asking questions, and it was less of an interview as much as it was a conversation. Yeah, that was the best part of it. I also liked that he kind of badmouthed Detroit and talked about the late hits he gets there, and you know, yeah. it, it was just fun. I thought it was good. It was fun. There's a lot of good stuff in there. It was it, worth listening to. If you're looking for clues or conspiracy theories to form, he was very complimentary of the Falcons and the players on the Falcons. He had. To, uh, an awareness of what's going on there. He also said it would be difficult to play that close to home because his phone would be blowing up and people would be wanting tickets. Yeah, that was. Pretty I wish funny. he was that relaxed all with, the time with the Bears beat with the people that are around him because that way he's already likable. We have yeah. seen how popular he is. That's why this debate is so fierce. I think at some point, but he's not always that natural and relaxed when he's appearing like on Wednesday uh, or Thursday uh, of game week because he's more, I don't want to say robotic, but he's certainly more rehearsed and, and controlled. Sure, sure. And, and again, you know, you're playing another team and you're trying to keep things. It, it's, not, it's not as relaxed an atmosphere as the offseason sitting around talking to a teammate and his brother. Um, I, I did – I did find myself. Uh, I did pause. Oh yeah. When I heard uh, they had a brief conversation yeah. about who's the goat in basketball, and this is what we heard. 
we got the Jordan rules, and we, we I'm calling now from now on, as long as I'm here, the Patrick Mahomes rules. Mm-hmm. So you remember when Jordan was going through it with no, the Pistons? No, no, this is all those guys. Uh, I'm in sorry, this is not it. No, the the uh, we'll get to Antonio Pierce. Yeah, we'll get to him. <laughs> that, that, but there was he a needs a history lesson too. But the the uh, Justin the, Fields was asked the, about the greatest basketball player. Yes, ever. and he he went with LeBron. And you know they they even the brother thought that he was good. Even even uh, Amon uh, St. Brown thought he was gonna go with uh, Mike, but he didn't. Which that, was, that, that might not have been Justin Fields' best read. Well, I, th- <laughs> I again, I just don't think he's. At, I don't think he knows. I mean, Mike's coming to town. Uh, you know. For the Chelios jersey reportedly. Reportedly. Who reported that? Chelly. Okay. And, uh, reportedly, Michael and Jordan if, will be here Sunday. If that is the case, yeah. maybe he ought to go meet with this guy and maybe, you know, show him the last dance or, I don't know, give him give him a little a clue into who Michael Jordan but is. But we – Here's the exchange. Just tell me he says Jordan. No, no. LeBron. LeBron. Listen, it's not even a question. Because he did it first? Thing. No. Wait, why LeBron? Better, Kobe or LeBron? I like LeBron. Kobe or LeBron? I mean, guys, that's not the argument. You're 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 just years late with the argument. He likes LeBron as the greatest of all time because that's I think probably his generation. Because he won did, four titles. I I think probably probably because of the longevity. Maybe I I don't want to make the argument for him. I do think that it who's, was – kn- you knew who's exactly what he – I'm asking you, just for clarity, what? who's the GOAT? Oh, well, it's Jordan. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. Not it, even close. People in Chicago. Justin Fields – It's not people in Chicago. It's just the a priori fact that Mike Jordan is the greatest basketball player ever. But that's not a consensus. It's, it's what we believe strongly, but I think there are people out there that make the argument like Justin Fields that – Maybe it's generational. He never saw Jordan right. play. Whatever the right. case is. He's just a young But it lad. also speaks to what we're talking about here. Why is this a story? Why is this news? Because you're talking about a professional athlete who made a decision on social media that created a little bit of a stir. He's – Let's get it straight, though, with the GOAT thing. The youth. We're talking about youthful uh, opinions and activities and behavior. So he's forgiven for not being – on the right side of the Jordan versus LeBron argument. I think we need to talk to the Bears. I think that they're, whatever they're doing, you know, given everybody the history of the Bears, here's what we did in the 40s. Why don't you update that a little bit and do like a whole, hey, this is the Chicago sports scene. Here's what happened in the 90s. Look at what the Blackhawks did. I I mean, you can, there's nothing wrong. Educate them on Chicago sports history? Sure. Why not? It's not a bad idea. Take 10 minutes, you know. To do, what end? Do, why, why would that matter? So they know who the GOAT is. Well, see, though. <laughs> so they can pander to the to the fan base? I don't think it's pandering. I do think it's pandering. I, think I don't that, think so. I think that if you have somebody who grew up in a different uh, area of the country or came from a family that may have different thoughts on who the greatest player of all time, who, who's, who do you think he'd answer the greatest quarterback of all time is? Uh, I'd probably say he'd say Johnny Unitas. <laughs> I know he wouldn't. Just based on that answer.
He might say say he might say Matt Ryan because I'm he grew sure, up a Falcons I'm fan. I'm sure he'd say Tom Brady, and, yeah, well, and that might be the right answer. Or he might say Mahomes. You know, he might say I, I don't know. I, I don't get too. He's got to know Tom. Caught up on that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it was a couple of years. ago. I know, but but, but it's hard to say. It's hard to predict. Yeah, I know. We I, believe I, what we believe, and there is not going to be any you know changing that, or we can argue that, we can defend that. I think these guys have their own thoughts, and I, I was going to say Justin Fields grew up. He spent time in Ohio, but it wasn't like LeBron was there when he was at Ohio State. But Ohio State was what LeBron's favorite team, so maybe they have a connection there. Who knows? Yeah, Who maybe knows? there is a connection. I doubt it. Um, I, I also, you know, so that Justin Fields stuff's great. We'll play you a lot of that audio, and we'll discuss it and pick it apart. Uh, as we do every morning, and it's fun stuff. Did you read the Jerry Reinsdorf interview with Cranes? Yes. And I got to tell you, that's another one. You know, there's no audio of that, but we'll read you some of his comments, and we'll pick apart some of the things he said. And and I was, I, I, I've got to be careful how I talk about this, because as you know, I grew up a White Sox fan I am a White Sox fan. I, I don't have a choice in it. I never had a choice in it. It was a, a schoolyard thing. Um, I made sure that, you know, I wasn't getting beaten any more than I did going to school every day. And I became a, a Sox fan. Um, and it's where you grow up and it's where your schoolyard allegiances are, et cetera. But I think that the Sox have been operating in a way over the last couple of years that is kind of, it's difficult. I know a lot of people that have fallen off as fans. I, I don't think you ever can say, well, I no longer like that. I quit, I quit following the way. I think that, I don't know that you have a choice with that stuff. I really feel like I'm still a Sox fan. Would I wear a Sox hat? Absolutely. I used to wear one regularly and I don't wear it as regularly. But if I see someone in a Sox hat, I'm kind of like, hey, well, good for you. I, I, I'm just saying that there's been a lot of things that have happened well, that have ostracized the fan base. I don't want to speak for you, but I think but you're – Jerry, man. Yeah, you're, you're speaking uh, on behalf of a lot of people who feel the same way because it feels as if – and I, am not, I did not grow up a Sox fan. I grew up a Cub fan, but I, I – have been here long enough to understand what's going on here. And it feels intentional because since let's, let, let's draw a line historically here. When things started to go downhill from, from, on the, from a baseball yeah. perspective, from a PR perspective was the moment they hired Tony La Russa. We don't need to relitigate that because that's kind of ground we've covered a lot. Sure. But it does seem like it's a continuation of an intentional if you didn't know any better, a continuation yes. of an intentional attempt to alienate the fan base. That's a that's a fair way of putting it. Because what the latest example is, is that not only did Jerry Reinsdorf show up in a leather jacket to address the state legislature to ask for a billion dollars in subsidies for a ballpark that he has yet to, uh, yet to share how much he's going to actually invest in. A day later, he goes to Crane Chicago Business, who I guess he now views as his friendly media outlet. Clearly. And he threatens to move and he cries poor yes. that he can't compete because the ballpark is outdated. Whose fault is that? And how are you how are you in the same city 
as the Chicago Cubs and going to claim what he's claiming with the history that he has and not investing in a team, it just all rings hollow and well, it smacks of hypocrisy and yes. it's galling yes. and upsetting. Yes. And I think that you have every right to be infuriated. Well, I, and again, I'm trying to separate <laughs> uh, my feelings from my emotional feelings and my emotional response to what is more or less he's describing kind of a math problem, right? And and I I don't know that that they are necessarily wrong, but I do think, you know, you can't go up there and giggle about the idea of pursuing Otani and then wait a few months and say, well, we couldn't get Otani because of the stadium. It, it like you it, these are these are not in uh, harmony, these ideas. He didn't say, well, you know, we got a real stadium problem when he was asked about Otani. He said, I can tell you, we're not going after Otani. <laughs> it, it is really difficult to sort of coordinate those types of comments and look at him as a sympathetic figure in any fashion. What, what, what part do you see – him having a point. I, I'm curious. I think that I think that if the White Sox were to move to the South Loop and they were to get a new building and they were to be part of what was described as a four billion dollar project, and that is obviously not just the ballpark; it's all the surrounding the development, stuff. everything yes. going on around it. So if sure. that if that were to happen, I think that it would be a fantastic base for the team to remain in Chicago long-term. I think there's a lot of positives that could come out of it. I just don't think Jerry should be the guy selling it. Sell the team and let the new owner with the deep pockets come in and be in charge of the project. The The problem is he wouldn't get the money that he wants, and he wouldn't get all that he wants out of it. So it's difficult to look at Jerry and the history he's had with the White Sox, and say, God, give this guy what he needs. Let's no, build this it, thing it, for There's Jerry. too much baggage that he brings to every exactly. conversation. That's but I'm just problem. curious, do you think that because of the attendance certainty is why you think that it would be more lucrative for the White Sox in the South Loop? Do you think it'd be I just – think they, I think they just they, – it would just be a massive uh, cash – you know, there'd be, uh, there'd be money pouring in – from all just because of the from, activity and the level of their investment I mean, in it and make them money. I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. Of, I'm just trying to understand everything it fully. that the Cubs yeah, get out right. of the, out of the area and they get out of the, uh, you know the signage and everything else and the, and the prices they charge well, the and Rickets, all the rest. Of the Ricketts have invested more than it seems as if what we know so far that Jerry Reinsdorf would invest in the 78. Oh, that, that's no, more of a related Midwest venture as much as it yes, is anything. Totally agree. But I, but I do wonder why why uh, that's not being made clearer. And I do think that in, in, in regard to your other point, selling the team would seem to be like the best solution for everybody right sure. now. He clearly doesn't want to own this team. No, he doesn't like this team. I think he likes being the owner, and I think he likes being the guy Just that, sell is, it. that is the front Sell it to man, somebody who cares. And he likes having a cigar and telling everyone what to do. But he likes I, to be right. I don't, I, I don't see – you know, I, I mean, I've got so many thoughts about this, David, and we'll get into this stuff, but – I'm watching Chris Getz uh, just, you know, listening to some of the stuff he's saying. And it occurs to me, you know, this guy has such a better gig than Rick Hahn had. 
because Rick Hahn had Kenny breathing down his neck. And Rick Hahn, you know, when you want to go make a trade, oh, Kenny just traded Jake Berger. It, 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 there, is, there is a different thing going on with the well, dynamic now, which is probably good for the young general manager. No. I don't know. No, if, it's not. It's, I don't know if he deserves the job he has, and I don't know if he's directionless, but all he has to worry about is Jerry's budget. That's it. He doesn't have anybody else kind of telling him what to do. Rick Hahn never had that opportunity. Yeah, I don't know how the comparison. And I'm not saying that Rick I don't know, Hahn I don't know would about have been the comparison to Hahn yet, but but I think that what Chris Getz is is doing is that the only thing he can he's trying to basically take advantage of an opportunity that he's really probably not ready for well, and, and may not have been deserving. But I think exactly. what this the whole process is has done is it has exposed a flaw. The flaw in the in the void in the White Sox organization. Yes. Who is the team president? Who's the strong Nobody. voice, the front man? They don't the have one. They got Jerry. They're going cheap. They no, got, they no. got Jerry. Jerry he, is the owner slash president slash he's, he's turned into, right down to the members only jacket, he's turned into Al Davis. He's turned into Al Davis. Michael which is, Reinsdorf needs uh, to get uh, a floppy haircut. <laughs> Please no. To complete the picture. Yeah, well, he's he's not what he once was. None of us are, but he's going to be 88 on Sunday. And with due respect, he needs to get ready to step aside. Him being the front man for this project, him being the singular voice for this organization isn't working. No. He won't hear us. No. He is tone deaf. It right. doesn't matter. We will still keep saying it because it's true. You need help. Jerry, sell the team or get some. Sell the team would be a good answer. Uh, we got to get into all this stuff. We've got the pick six next. There's so many good stories, so many meaty, fun stories. We'll pick them apart. It's Mully and Haw. It's Chicago Sports Radio 6 7 in the score. It's pick six with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312 644 6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick six with Mully and Haw starts now. Now that Justin Fields admitted he did indeed unfollow the Bears on Instagram and also the NFL, can you understand his reasoning why? It's something that I don't want to see in my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no football. And guess mm. what? Every Bears post. It's either I see who you follow. It's either the draft Caleb. So it's like, bro, man, I'm tired yeah. of hearing the talk. We want like it's annoying. We want yeah. Caleb. Like, it's just, bro, like, it's time. You understand where Fields is coming from? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, that was that was really good stuff because that is an incredibly honest answer. And um, I'm sure that he's had his fill with this story. Um, I, I got a lot of time for Justin Fields. We talked about it repeatedly. I think he's a really high-character guy. I think he's a really, really great athlete. And I don't know – how he is as a quarterback. I don't know that he's going to get to a point where he leads a team to the Super Bowl. But, man, you know, when you talk about intangibles at that position, the way he deals with teammates, the way he shows up for this offseason stuff because he knows how important it is for him to be there, he understands the responsibility that comes with the job. And I think there are so many really positive uh, parts I, I just think he's a high-character guy, and I, I really do uh, rate him. 
uh, in that fashion. I, I heard Olin talk yesterday, and, and once again, you know, I, I kind of like this idea. It's not going to happen, and it can't happen. But if you were to hang on to this guy, go ahead, draft Caleb Williams and have him watch this guy and how he operates and then deal with things in another year. And I know that it wouldn't work, and I know there's too many egos, and I know if you draft a guy, he's got to get on the field, and I understand all of that stuff. But, you know, the way the Bears have gone about it, the way even when they've drafted a guy, the way they failed him, I don't know that they shouldn't try something completely different. Oh, that's not done in the NFL. Well, whatever's being done isn't really working. So I, I kind of I appreciated Olin saying that. We've talked about that with uh, Patrick Manley. The three of us have had that conversation. I, I um, honest to God, believe that uh, whatever way the Bears go about it, they've been doing it wrong, so try something different. Well, at least now we know which social media platform Justin Fields is most engaged with, and that's Instagram, because he is still following the Bears on X, and he's still following you know, the NFL on X. So he must not be very active on X. He's more active on Instagram. Do I get it? Sure, I get it. Enjoy your vacation, Justin. Yeah, everybody's got their own coping mechanism in trying to deal with whatever job stress they encounter and have on a regular basis. Mitch Trubisky wanted the TVs turned off at Hallis Hall. Mm. Justin Fields unfollowed the Bears on Instagram. It's okay. I think it's in the context of this larger, broader conversation about what's going to happen to his career. And when you're talking about the livelihood and future of a 24-year-old professional athlete, yeah, it's going to get to him. We forget how young these guys are, uh, young men are kids to some of us. I mean, they are really just beginning to uh, be fully formed professionals, and I think we hold them to a very high standard because of what we see them do on the field. Off of it, they still have you know, a lot of maturing to do. This is not an, an immature act at all. I think you have to give him some grace here. We talk about his career like it's disposable. We talk about his future like it's not ours, so let's you know put him in Atlanta. Let's, tr- let's put him in Vegas. Let's put him in a lot of different situations. Every time he hears that, he's got to consider what that means. So I'd have had no problem with him explaining this. I like to hear his full, relaxed explanation. And again, it, it bears repeating. If Justin Fields were like this on a more regular basis, he'd have even more fans. I think people want to get to know him a little bit more. And what we saw yesterday or what we heard from this podcast was a glimpse into who he is and how relaxed he can be, which is why teammates love him, why the Bears you know, could justify keeping him. But I just don't think it's, it's going to happen, and I don't think it's a good idea. I feel like I get this question a lot. Do you feel that uh, Fields is a sympathetic figure because he has no control over whether he stays or whether he goes, and if he goes, where he goes? Did you appreciate that he reiterated he wants to stay? Yeah, of course. Of course I want to stay. To be honest, bro, I'll be trying to, like, you know, with all the talk, it's, it's hard to, you know, I guess kind of just boom be in one place. But I can't see myself playing in another place. But if it was up to me, I would want to stay in Chicago. I love right. the city. The city's lit. The the fans there, you know, they're great. Mm-hmm. And the people. But, um... <laughs> It's a business. I ain't got no control over it, so whatever happens, happens. So, is uh, Justin Fields a sympathetic figure? I think he is. I, I think he's teetering between, you know, accepting the reality and being honest about how he feels playing in a city that, frankly, adores him. Justin Fields, for as much speculation that has surrounded his future, 
and for as much scrutiny that has been provided each and every snap that he has taken as the Bears quarterback, it hasn't been a successful three years. He hasn't won enough games, not because of him, just because of the reality. He has been jerked around with coaching staffs and schemes and all kinds of things. So he is a natural, naturally sympathetic figure. It's easy to feel empathy for what he's been through. And when he when he talks that well, talks that glowingly about the city of Chicago, sure, I don't think he's pandering at all. I think he means it. I think this is his, you know, it was his introduction to professional football and professional life. His highlight of his Bears tenure was the first preseason game, he says, because of how it made him feel about being a professional athlete. He still has a degree of humility with that confidence and with that personality, so it's easy to feel sorry for somebody who is on his way out. No, I, I can't feel sorry for somebody who's a quarterback in the NFL. I, I, I just don't understand. And if he's not a quarterback for the Bears, he's going to be a quarterback someone else, somebody else's QB1, so there's no sympathy here for that. <laughs> Zero. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know um, how heartless a human you are there, Mr. Dustino, but... Uh, he said zero. No, he said zero. Zero. Um, I just think it's it's difficult <laughs> when uh, when you're an employee and not the boss, and you have, you know, they have changes in mind, and you feel like you're making the wrong decision, and you ought to consider this. I think it's just a tough position to be in. I think a lot of people have been in that position. You're right. It's a lot of money. And it's generational wealth, and he's going to be okay, and he's going to go someplace else. They're not going to, no one is going to trade for him and then sit him on the bench. He's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL next year, one way or another. Um, but, but, you know, come on now. You're, you're in one place, you're comfortable, you feel like you got it going, you feel like you're master of your universe, and now you got to go start somewhere else. It's tough. I, I, I don't care. I can't believe that you have zero sympathy for them. Who freaking who? <laughs> it's a good question. What did you make of Chris Chelios confirming to us yesterday that Michael Jordan oh. is expected to attend Chelly's jersey raising ceremony at the United Center on Sunday? What are your thoughts on Jordan missing the Bulls ring of honor but making it this time? It's really interesting. Um, I, I, you know, I don't. I would, I would imagine, and again, uh, you know, this is just an outsider looking at it. I would imagine there's significantly less drama involved in, uh, in not going back and meeting your teammates and reconnecting with everyone, uh, but rather showing up for a buddy and then going out to dinner and having a nice weekend. I, I think there's just a lot less Drama. You're not the center of everything that's going on. You're there supporting a friend. I think it's an easy thing to do. And I think that it's um, it could be a really fun thing to do, to go there, be there for a buddy, and then, again, you know, go out, have a couple pops, catch up with Wayne Gretzky, great dude. Um, I, I just think that um, I think it's a lot different than being the centerpiece of the Ring of Honor and then you're – you know, your son's dating that guy's ex-wife. And I, I just think there's there's so much go I'm not saying Jordan didn't show up for the Ring of Honor for that reason, but I'm sure that's one of the many reasons that it didn't work out in his schedule. And um I I really I it's a pity that that, you know, Michael Jordan was never 
of Chicago. He was of the world, and everybody owned a little piece of him, and he just played here. And, and I think he had a great time here, and he met a lot of people here, and this is one of his friends, and I, I really hope he shows up for it. Well, it shows that uh, Michael Jordan will make time for people he cares about, for people he calls his friend. We've also got a couple of those guys that were at that uh, ceremony, the ring, the ring ceremony, or the, the, or whatever they're calling the the Ring of Honor ceremony, that are going out on tour now in Australia. Yeah, I saw that to call BS on the documentary. Yeah. So, and, and it's Pippen, Horace Grant, and Luke Longley. Right. Mm-hmm. So those three guys are doing a tour of Australia, are going to go sit in front of uh, basketball fans there, and I have family there. I know they're huge Bulls fans. I don't know if they're going to Perth, though, so I'm not sure if my cousin's going to get to go. you to cover it? Um, but, but Perth, uh, Perth is out back of beyond, right? Yeah, that's the uh, way out back back. Yeah. This shows that Michael Jordan will make time for his friends, and he does not have any friends, it appears, on the Bulls, and he definitely doesn't like the Bulls organization right now. Yeah, that was a bad move by him, I think. And I dare I criticize Michael Jordan in Chicago, but I think he could have made the time to be here for the Ring of Honor. I think Chicago has always loved Michael Jordan more than Michael Jordan seems to love Chicago. I hope that Chris Chelios, our guy, we're celebrating him noon to three on Sunday. It's going to be a great day to be at the United Center. It's going to be a great moment for Chelly and number seven going in the rafters. We'll get into more of that later. I hope he's right. But I'll believe it when I see it. When Michael Jordan is on the uh, on the jumbotron on the scoreboard video, waving to the crowd in his number seven jersey or whatever he's wearing on Sunday, I will believe it then. Until that point, I am going to have some doubts whether he's showing up. I just will, just based on history. And so it would be a tremendous, tremendous moment. Michael Jordan. Watching Patrick Kane celebrating Chris Chelios. Everybody's there. All of Chelly's friends, too. Who knows? Eddie Vedder showing up. Uh, is Gretzky going to be there? Gretzky's going. So that would be tremendous. Yeah. Gretzky and Jordan the great at the ones. same place. Sure. So I hope it all happens. I hope Jordan is here. I hope Chicago enjoys it. It's going to be a great day with or without him. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big question. What did you make of Oakland head coach Antonio Pierce going on the Max Crosby podcast to compare the way his team played the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs on Christmas Day to the way the bad boy Detroit Pistons defended Michael Jordan back in the day? We got the Jordan rules, and we, we, I'm calling it now from now on, as long as I'm here, the Patrick Mahomes rules. Mm-hmm. So you remember when Jordan was going through it with the Pistons, all those guys in the 80s before he came, Michael Jordan, Air Jordan, the Pistons used to whoop his Anytime he came to the hole, elbows, yeah, filling them, yeah. love taps. We touched them. We're in the head, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I'm touching you. So I show those guys Jordan getting his whooped. What do you think? The uh, Jordan rules for Patrick Mahomes by the Raiders. I think this will trigger a lot of people. Uh, here is my initial reaction. Antonio Pierce is a linebacker disguised as a head coach right now. And that mentality applies to everything that he does and how he views the football world. Every day, every snap, every practice. This is his way of trying to reinforce this idea that Patrick Mahomes is one of the greatest ever. To combat that, you need to do something special and different, and you need to put an image in, in, in their minds. Well, okay, that's the dated reference he wants to use. 
even if historically it might be inaccurate. That's okay. He's a football coach. He's not a history teacher. People should have a more of appreciation and understanding of maybe the history of Michael Jordan's ascension in the Bulls and the Pistons. But Antonio Pierce wants to get his players thinking that they want to inflict harm on the best quarterback they will ever play against. This is his method. Uh, it, it worked. It worked once. I don't know how it will work again, but I think this is a young coach trying to look for motivational tools, and he found one, and he's going to use it again and try to use it again and again. Well, you just, I mean, cue up Autumn Wind by the great John Facenda in NFL Films, you know, right? I mean, this is what they're going to do. You know, they're going to, you know, sweeping along, swaggering boisterously, his face and his weather beaten. You know, go ahead and, and, and pop Patrick Mahomes a couple of times. He's a, he's a, listen, I talked about it the other day. He's a crybaby. He moans all the time. He complains and moans all the time about getting touched. And it bothers him. It throws him off his game. So continue to do it. Don't don't take a shot at his head illegally. But that's so Raider. I mean, you know, do Ruff they have up. a Lyle Alzado currently on the uh, on, on the roster? Crosby, right? Listen, this is the way you play football. And David's absolutely right. This is a linebacker mentality in a head coach. And so what you want to do. And L. Davis used to say it back in the day. You want to hit the quarterback. You want to hit the quarterback. He needs to be on the ground hurting, hit hard, six plays into the game. You got six plays to get your first damaging hit to the quarterback, and you better be doing it repeatedly. That's football. The Jordan rules, somebody needs a lesson on the Jordan rules. This, you know, go ahead, rush the quarterback, get the inside rush, hit him from inside. No one likes that. Tom Brady didn't like that. No quarterback ever has enjoyed getting beaten by a defensive team. But this idea that that's the Jordan, the Jordan rules were where the foul comes from. If Mike's going, and he was already Air Jordan, just so you know. If Mike's going to the hole, here's what you do. You clean him out. This, the Jordan rules were not... In the, in the rules of the game. It was how you cheap shot a guy. And and I get it. Go out and brag about how you got the Mahomes rules. And man, we beat him up on Christmas Day. But you're telling every official in the league, they're going after this guy no matter what. There's going to be a legal hitch. You better be aware of it. I, I just think it was better to keep your mouth shut than to kind of brag about how you... Managed to beat the Chiefs before they won the rest of their games, including the Super Bowl. Come on now. Win, Raiders. Win football games. This is nonsense to me. Terrific question. Need to get that answered. Don't have it for you today. That's the voice of uh, Bruce Levine. He'll be with us later this morning talking Cubs and talking White Sox. What did you make of Jerry Reinsdorf telling Cranes the White Sox need a new stadium in order to compete? The quote... The economics of baseball have completely changed, end quote, Reinsdorf said. The owner said that the rate, quote, at the location where we're at now cannot generate the revenue needed to pay those salaries, end quote. Your reaction? Not good. My reaction isn't good to it, frankly, because, you know, don't put on the poor mouth when you're one of two teams in baseball to never give out a $100 million deal. It's just you've got plenty of money. You've had plenty of money. This is not what the problem is. It's the way you've put the team together. It's the way that you've operated. Um, I, I just feel, I just feel like 
Jerry is not the front man for this story. They're making a mistake by Jerry. There's an emotional reaction to Jerry. When Jerry starts telling you, oh, you know, the team's going to move. If you don't do it, they'll end up in Nashville. You're the guy that went and met with the mayor of Nashville, right? What was that for? This is a, this guy has been running the same kind of shell game on the people of Chicago, on the people of the state of Illinois for years. That's how he got the building he's in now. And now he's going to blame the building. You got the biggest sweetheart deal in the history of stadiums. And now you're blaming that for why the team isn't good on the field. Give me a break. No one feels sympathy for you or thinks that the, uh, if you don't build this for Jerry, the team is leaving. Look, sell the team. Let somebody else with deeper pockets come in and, and build the area up. Get that money for themselves, not for you. And, uh, and maybe the team will then follow and be really good. But you need one of these deep pocket owners and, and, you know, Jerry can claim, well, the move is to get out of town. No, it isn't. You, there is a fan base here. There is an opportunity on the 78th. Just get someone with deeper pockets. Get somebody in here that wants to do the project he's talking about doing. I think that would be a much better solution than trying to help him make his money before he's gone. I'm far from a businessman, far from an English major, but we all have heard the phrase, location, location, location. And what I'm reading, my, I think my reading comprehension is pretty good. I put that up against others. He says, we can't generate the revenue needed to pay those salaries at the location we are at now. At the lo- This isn't about the stadium. It's not that the stadium's not good enough. Where the stadium is at is not good enough to generate, as you guys talked about, kind of a Ricketsville. Okay, you can't have that at 35th and Shields. It is what it is. You can't have that there. There's a lot of money generated down in St. Louis. They have a whole area, right? As you as you go into the state, they have a they have an area. Mm-hmm. The, the Brewers Another have downtown the stadium. Brewers have yeah. the Brewers have an unbelievable tailgate and bars and restaurants right there. The Red Sox and the Red Sox have done now the, originally the first time I went to Fenway, you know, they didn't have that Molly. The first time oh, I, I went there, they yeah. had the cask and flagon. They had one joint, just kind of like but what they the White were the Sox model had. That the but then followed. what did they start doing though? Yeah. No, they started shutting the two streets as Yawkey an example. Way, they right? shut down they shut down Waveland and Shetfield version of Fenway, and all the revenue you you come well, in. That's where the Cubs you buy your sausages, the city, you buy your bur- beers, you yeah. buy your T-shirts right here. You buy you here's your ticket. Right. You go into this gated area. That's what he's talking about here. It's not that the rate isn't good enough. Where the rate is at isn't good enough. The problem is he needs to put some skin in the game. We've got some comments from the mayor of Chicago also hmm. talking about the stadium yeah, we'll, situation. Yeah, we'll get to those. I think that's a really good point, Dustin, because. As shrewd as, as a businessman as Jerry Reinsdorf is considered or always referred to as, how long has he owned the team at 35th and Shields, and how long are we still waiting for that area to be developed to the point where there could be something like you described? Maybe it's unreasonable or to expect that or unrealistic because of the neighborhood. There are all kinds of excuses you could make, but that's not what the White Sox have ever been able to achieve. Jerry Reinsdorf has failed at being able to surround the ballpark with the kind of atmosphere that you describe in Boston or in St. Louis or in, frankly, in, in Wrigleyville. So 
Jerry Weinsdorf now is crying poor and trying to blame the economics of baseball for the bad baseball that we see on the south side. He's got to own his role in this process. The White Sox were pretty good as a baseball team up until the point where, and a lot of excitement around the league surrounding the franchise. Remember how likable this team was? And then, okay, Jerry Reinsdorf himself hijacked the hiring process, brought back Tony LaRussa, and everything has been downhill since then. So you did have a baseball team that could win despite all of the economic uh, hurdles that you have to clear when you play in a stadium like that. Yeah, it is location. You want to go to the South Loop. You want the public to pay for it. What do you have to invest? How much are you putting into this? Tell us that, and we'll feel differently maybe, but don't cry poor. Don't make up things that aren't true. You, as a baseball organization, were in pretty good shape until you stuck your nose in and hired the wrong guy. Since then, bad news, bad news, bad news. This will be a pick six. There's your ball game. What do you make of the Pedro Grafol reaching into the Matt Eberflus uh, bag of acronyms, replacing the HITS principle with the FAST doctrine? FAST, F-A-S-T, according to James Fegan of Sox Machine, stands for fearless, aggressive, selfless, and technically sound. Are your eyes rolling? Yeah, that's a hard one. I, I don't think that it really is as genuine at least with Eberflus that was a day one mantra that was the thing he tried to at least introduce and we could mock and everybody keeps on going back to it but with Pedro this is year two and he's he's going uh into the fast doctrine if you will or the should be F-A-S-T-S technically sound it ends with an S so I don't know that's kind of hard to say though yeah I, I think this is just more the same what we're hearing from Pedro, everything is fine. He's going to stay positive. This is the rah-rah guy that I think that we thought he would be when he came and threatened to, you know, be the same team every night at, what, 7-10, whatever the case was. But, yeah, this is just more rhetoric. I want to see some results. Well, this is good reporting by James Fegan. It'll be good to have him uh, on that Sox machine squad. I just don't understand why it took this long to get to this point finding out what this meant we joked around I think off the air I don't know if we'd made it on the air but fast with, with those guys with Aloy Jimenez and Moncada you're going to play fast so then are we going to play injury bug hamstrings are us I mean come on so wh- why why when he Pedro kept saying the word we're going to play fast and we're going to f- play fast and we're going to be fat why didn't anybody press him can you back that up and amplify on fast, please? Where's Chet Kopic when you need him? Yeah, uh-huh. I, I, you know the whole the whole acronym thing. Uh, okay, I mean that was I guess that's an acronym. Okay, um, help. That that would be my acronym. Help. You gotta. I mean the hits principle. Okay, I get it. You know we're, we're gonna figure out. We're going to make it simple, stupid, so we can, you can understand what we're going to do. And now we've got FAST. So we got HITS, we got FAST. What's the Cubs acronym? Do we have to come up with one? Does every team need an acronym so that they can remember how they're supposed to play baseball? I, I, you're right. This is, uh, this is an Eberflus thing from day one versus year two. Pedro's figured out that this is the way to go. Um Hey, if it helps him play well, 
who cares? I, I just think, um, you know, you need better players, and you need them fast. Season's right around the corner. 312-644-6767. That is the telephone number. We've got the extra point next. It's Mully and Haw on the score. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. After the Blackhawks raise Chris Chelios's number seven into the Raptors on Sunday, which will be the next jersey retired in Chicago sports, and who is the most deserving? Boy, that could get a lot of reaction. Who is the most deserving? Who doesn't have their jersey retired that deserves it? You know, when you think about the 2016 Cubs, you think that's going to be maybe the next logical direction you look. Although, I don't know who it would be off that team. I don't know who would stand out in that crowd. Rizzo or Bryant? Bryant or Rizzo? Who comes first? And then, yeah. I don't know. Their body of work as a Cub, does that merit retiring their jersey? Is it Joe Madden's jersey? I don't know if there is anybody on that team that's going to emerge. So I think it's a two-person race to me, just reflecting on what you're looking for when you retire these jerseys. Sometimes is a little bit of a bounce, bring somebody back, reconcile, celebrate, whatever the case may be. Brian Urlacher's 54. Brian Urlacher's 54 as Dustin rolls his eyes is possibly at the next, at the top of the list, or Derrick Rose is number one. I could see them retiring Derrick Rose's number one in an attempt to kind of be part of this tradition that they're celebrating, the Ring of Honor, bring back D. Rose. He'll show up, actually. He'll show up. You know that. He loves Chicago. And I think Derrick Rose is number one, or Brian Urlacher's 54. Probably the two at the top of the list. Others could be good candidates, but I think those would be the two where I could see the teams respectively starting with. Well, again, just like the Hall of Hall of Fame, there, there's too many people in the Hall of Fame. There are too many jerseys retired. And if you want to be great, and I wish I would have been part of Monday's show on the, the national holiday, uh, David and Layla had a great question going after uh, Jay Williams and his questioning of Caitlin Clark being great. I almost felt like as I was listening to that at home, like they were saying, you, you see what happens when you don't come to work? You don't get to answer this question. Uh, I felt that I felt that I felt that question was 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 there for me. Okay. And I wasn't able to attack it. But <laughs> in order to be great or to be a Hall of Famer or to have your number retired, I think you need some bling. I think you need to have won something or at least gotten to a game where you could win some bling. Derrick Rose, no shot. Okay, No no shot. Here, here's the problem with the Bears, and I, I've actually looked into this, and Mully, you may know the answer, so please jump in. During. There are too many numbers retired. They don't have enough to – Well, I've heard yeah. that the, the NFL has told the Bears that they can't retire any more jerseys. They're not allowed to because of the number. But is that still valid with the changes to the whatever number? You could wear zero and play linebacker. Yeah, right. Well, that's a good that's a good point. But there's like, you know, the Celtics have guys wearing 60, right? But how about after, let's say, 30 years? I, I've done a bunch of research on this question. I love this question. I love this topic. How about after 30 years have an unretirement party? If the player is still with us, fantastic. If the player is no longer with us, that's okay. Sorry for their passing, but let's have the the family show up. 
and unretire the number and 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 tell the fans of today why that number matters to your organization and let a current star player wear that number assuming they want to wear that number um yeah i don't want to unretire any numbers um i i do think that the next guy should be ozzy i think ozzy Gwynn, oh i love that um i would love that be, answer yeah he would be the guy yes. that they should retire his jersey because he was here there's the years of service as a player but you know moreover there's winning the world series as a manager and um I think he deserves to to get number thirteen retired by the Chicago. Great White idea. Sox. So that's that's a good one. That, that is what I would think would be next, and it probably would be a way to actually do something that the fans would embrace. Sure, with the Sox, it wouldn't that be something? It would be terrific. Plus, we would have them talk about it on our show. You know, what I don't know. Place? I don't know about. I I really don't know about. Um, about the Bears because of all the numbers that are retired and the way they have to, you know. But they, I think that's different now with the, with the with the I, I don't the I, different I, numbers. I, you can wear f- number seven or, or not seven. You right. can you can wear whatever like, number you want, single digits, and play linebacker or defensive you know, line or wherever. Buckus, Sayers, Peyton. I think those are people that have to have their jerseys yeah. retired, and they are retired, and that's great. You know. Um, wouldn't you love to have Doug Buffon's 55 retired? Uh, that would be really great. I don't think that's going to happen despite the years of service and everything else. I, I, I think that, you know, you get you get kind of personal and emotional about n- number retirements, and it's uh, it's got to be fairly obvious. And I think that, you know, the – I would say eventually we know 19's going up there. We know, you know, Kaner. I, I think there is, there are numbers that will be retired. Yeah, 88 and 19, they're going up, but not no yet. No question. Right. Kaner's got to come here and have a hat trick on Sunday and then maybe retire as a Blackhawk, but then they could put up. It's interesting the to hear from him and the things he had to oh, say. Oh, I love that. About, we should you know, talk about Blackhawk for yes. life and that stuff. That was interesting. I, and I want to get your thoughts on one-day contracts eventually. I got to get back to Dustin, though. I, before we break, I got sure. I got to know this. You brought it up, Dustin. So I'll pick the scab if it's a scab. Are you agreeing with Jay Williams that Caitlin Clark is not great because she has not yet won a championship? I think to be considered – an all-time great, you need to win a championship. She needs to win a championship that's not what at I Iowa. That's not what I asked because that's not but, what he but, said. But, Dustin, you know, she's maybe 100 points behind Pete Maravich. Is uh, she great? Was he great? She, she, she's great, yes. Okay, but, she, did, she hasn't won a championship. But, I didn't, but, that's not, I, but not greatest. She's, no. not the greatest high, she's not the greatest college basketball player ever? No. Yeah. Women's college player. basketball player, but not the greatest Who college the basketball. Greatest col- you know, but Lou Alcindor. Could have been the greatest right. college. Player. No, I, I, I meant women's was. basketball. But that's not what you asked. Yeah, you didn't ask that. I said, is she the, the greatest? Okay. She's the greatest scorer in women's college basketball. He, didn't, he, he, he compared her. I had a bigger issue with him comparing her scoring ability to arguably the greatest scorer in the history of the NBA right now. That was part of what he's talked about. Steph Curry. I mean, Steph Curry is doing this at the highest level. Steph Curry has won championships at the highest level. He said she's not. He said she's not Clark's in the not same. Great. She is That's not absurd. in the same row as Steph Curry. How no. would he know? It, he, Jay Williams. He said, did win a championship. 
<laughs> Come on. Not for the Bulls. Come on. He won a championship. She didn't win one for Iowa. Psst. Yet. Let's see. I don't know why this conversation here's goes a great. To, here's a great well, Jersey retirement. Well, Marion Hosa. That's a great, great response. He's going to be in town. Isn't it retired? He, 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 I don't think the number is retired yet. But that, that is it 91? Marion Hosa was like the greatest player. 81. 81. 81. I'm sorry, 81. Marion Hosa, you don't win those titles without him. We might have him on the show. He's going to be in town. He's got an Let's event. Let's get him on. I, I he, got nothing but respect he, for him. Marion Hosa is a tremendous. Last thing, though, back to the. He said Caitlin Clark wasn't great, Dustin. She's great. By any measure, I don't know why people are reluctant to call her great. Well, I, I, I called her great. I didn't call her the greatest. That's what I didn't call her. I had more of an issue with him trying to compare her She's scoring to Steph Curry's. Totally different. Hmm. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what he said. But well, exactly. I, I, mean, I don't. I don't. I don't hold him with the greatest gravitas and is, is the commentator that I most want to hear determine who's great and who isn't. No offense. That's the fact. Host's number's retired. It is retired? Yeah. Okay, good. Should be. Love that guy. We went to a Hawks thing, and uh, there's all these people lined up for Taze and Kane, and Marion Host is there, and I made my kids go up and get his autograph because that was the one I thought was – Hall of Fame worthy at the time. He they is. All, they all are. Hall now, of Fame guy, Hall of Fame player. Yes. Can't wait till he's on the show. All right. Let's get him. Uh, all right. 312-644-6767. A lot of people want to check in. We're going to get right to your calls. Mully and Hall on the score. We're not going to be in the Otani race. I'll tell you that right now. I'll give you <laughs> Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Yeah, that's funny. No way you're getting Otani, Jerry. Let's have a good laugh about it. It's pretty good stuff. Small market team. Yeah, they are. Small market teams don't have chances to get big ticket free agents. You you only become a big market team if you move downtown. So uh, if you give me a billion dollars, where, where, where does the line, where, where is that line in Chicago and South side where be, if you move past it far enough North, you become a big market team. Is it? Yeah. It, uh, I, apparently Roosevelt road. So that must be it. I got the be. South loop makes the Sox a big market team. Apparently, you know what comes with that? Jerry Reinsdorf probably won't be have to worry about it. A chance it, but, to sell the team for more money. Yeah, you should sell the team. Definitely. But you also will have the expectation of acting like a big market team, something that the White Sox have failed to do pretty much throughout the last mm-hmm. 40 years. 312-644-6767. Let's, let's try John. John's in Canaryville. Hey, John. Hey, good morning. Love your show. Thank you, bud. Quick question. Um, if I recall, uh, the Illinois Sports Financing Authority has restrictions put on land that the White Sox Stadium is on, that laws that Madigan pushed through that they – can develop only a certain way, limiting restaurants, bars, et cetera. I was wondering if you guys knew anything about that. Well, look into that. That's not something I'm familiar with. What kind of limitations would there be? I can't imagine that they would break ground or even pursue this if there were any kind of limitations on what they could develop. It'd be the opposite, it sounds like. Based on the – He's asking if if they put limitations on 
preventing sort of a Wrigleyville around uh, the guaranteed rate field? And is there a limit to what they can do? I know that they, you know, there was a nice little restaurant there. I think that was state subsidized. Certainly the White Sox team store, I believe that was state subsidized. So I, I don't know Fair enough. if there were limits. If, if you are of- as savvy of a businessman and politician as yes. Jerry Reinsdorf, I think, considers himself to be, and you were able to manipulate the process to use the, the Florida, we're going to go to St. Pete ploy, as a means of getting the sweetheart deal that you got, don't you think that it's reasonable to expect that he could have figured out a way to finagle some way to build around if guaranteed rate field? If he wanted to? Yes. Yes. That's what if I mean. If he wanted to. That's so, fair. So there are perhaps limitations. Michael Madigan might have been involved in, in doing that, but I just think that that's giving him a pass for a guy that considers himself this shrewd. He hasn't been, in, he hasn't been able to build around the stadium in a way that we – kind of should hold him accountable to do. Let's try Psycho. He's in Westchester. Hey, Psycho. Joe, How are um, you? I, got two, I got two numbers that should be retired from the Blackhawks, and they keep on not retiring them. One is Steve Larmer, and the second one is Doug Wilson. Steve Larmer does wow. not get his uh, due at all. And Doug Wilson, come on, he should be in the Raptors at the United Center, but – those are my two guys, the guys, and I'll let you talk and I'll let you go. Thanks, Psycho. Those are good ones. I, I think they haven't been for whatever reason. The next one off the Blackhawks list, I think, could be Duncan Keith. Yeah, Duncan Keith is seems like a lock for that, but he's still playing, right? So he no, he to, just he's he's did he retire? his first year out. Yeah, okay, he's going to be in town with Marion Hosa. Well, let's go March fourteenth. Let's go. Roll it up. Yeah. Roll it up to the ref. Got all kinds of hockey information. Yeah, that's good stuff. Is he going to be on the show too? <laughs> you want me to work on that one? Yeah, let's go. If we can get Duncan Keith and Marion Hosa, that we, sounds good. Mitch to me. is going to be in the studio. Here we go. <laughs> too much hockey. Zach is in Rockford. Hey, Zach. Hey, how's it going, guys? So good. I was listening to the show yesterday <clears throat> after work. Um, you know, there's two things about the bears that nobody's really looking at. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you've got two generational players in this draft. In my opinion, I think Harrison jr. Is the right way to go. I know it's a business thing. If they trade fields, I get it. You know, I, I hope Caleb does good. I'm not a Caleb fan, but you know what? If we draft Caleb Williams and the bears are not at least in the playoffs from the first or second year, these same bear fans that want Williams, are going to be the same Bear fans that are going to want another quarterback again, and it's going to be the it's going to be a repeat cycle. How many quarterbacks are we going to go through before we fix the real problems? And that's what nobody's talking about. Yeah, yeah. So I what are the I real problems? Talking about it, I, I think you. you know, I, I everybody's I, talking about it. It's a chicken and egg question too. You know, do you build the team up so you're ready for the quarterback, or do you grab the quarterback when you have a chance, and then you build the team up? Yeah, you know, here's what you got to remember: if you draft um, Caleb Williams, you're restarting the whole clock. Yeah, you know, Justin Fields is scheduled to make six million dollars, I believe, this year. That jumps to twenty-two million if you pick up the option, which it doesn't appear they're going to. Um, so that's a lot of money, believe it or not. It's not the kind of money if he if he makes a two hundred million dollar deal, that money goes way through the roof. So if you're restarting the clock, then you're on a a five-year deal with the guy that you draft. So that should give you plenty of time to figure out whether you got that position right or not. And Caleb Williams, people could be wrong about him. 
people could be wrong about Drake May. People could be wrong about a lot of things, but we were certainly wrong about Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I, it doesn't mean you stop trying. I just don't understand that logic where you've gotten it wrong, you've gotten it wrong, you've gotten it wrong again. You give up. I think you, you got a generational talent, a guy that is consensus number one overall Those pick. Those guys usually work out. They usually work out. I'm just saying, right? And I mean, if you get Peyton Manning, it usually works out. If you get, you know, Trevor Lawrence is working out. Trevor you Lawrence like is working not. out. People forget it, that. Yeah, and, and you know, you talk about, like, Andrew Luck worked out. Yes. You know, they eventually weren't protecting him, and he had enough, and he wrote a letter home to but mom. But that was a that good was, draft pick. That was the draft, yes, draft pick. Yes, and had you said, yes. had you said, hey, Indianapolis Colts, we'll give you this draft haul for Andrew Luck. If you said to the Cincinnati Bengals, we'll give you all these drafts. Joe Burrow's a great example. But you're not going to – they would not yeah. trade Joe Burrow for the draft or the, the, the return that the Bears got for the number one overall no. pick last year. No. 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 When you have a quarterback that special, you keep him – you protect him. You win with him. Yeah, and, and and again, you know they they are in a really good position to help build up their team in the off season, both with free agency if they choose to go that route, and certainly uh, with the two high draft picks, they could get some incredible talent. Now, you know you can say, well, you know, trade down one spot, let him go to Washington. He's from there, and you can. Get Marvin Harrison Jr., you'll get another draft pick uh, next year, first-round pick, and you'll pick up your second-round pick that you gave up for the pass rush. That's that's not the way to go about it. You, you get the best player you can get. a quarterback. If, if, you've got the, if you've got your choice of everyone in the draft and there's a guy like Caleb Williams there, it's, it's, it's really a, a, it's nonsensical when you start thinking about what that means for your time clock and the way you build a team. You got an obligation to do the right thing. That's the right thing. 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Hall. We're going to hear from Justin Fields next. We'll hear what he had to say on that podcast. There's some great audio and we'll give it to you. Very, uh, a very calm and uh, an interesting football conversation. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hall on the score. It's something that I don't want to see in my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no football. And guess mm, what? Every bit. Bears post. It's either right. draft, you follow. It's the draft Caleb. So it's like, bro, man, I'm tired yeah. of hearing the talk. We want like it's annoying. We want yeah. Caleb. Like, it's just, bro, like, it's time. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. 
all the brothers in the league have their own podcast and the St. Brown brothers got Justin Fields as a guest. Is he going on the Kelsey show now? I doubt it. That work? I don't think that he has a uh, relationship with either the Kelsey's where he's throwing them the football. He is <laughs> the quarterback for Ekmanius St. Brown. And I wish that he were the quarterback for his brother as well. But yeah, I think that was part of it. And that's part of the, the relaxed nature that you saw, he was able to let his guard down with a teammate and a friend, and they was teasing him, and they they got the uh, they got all the references, and it was fun. It was fun because I don't know if this was scheduled before the whole Instagram flap or saga, mm. but it was well timed, and I think that Justin Fields represented himself pretty well, regardless of his take on LeBron James. Uh, we want to remind you, this Sunday is the Chris Chelios Jersey Retirement Game. And this morning, you will have your last chance to win a pair of tickets to that game. Uh, number seven goes to the Rafters. Kaner is back. The Blackhawks host the Red Wings. It's this Sunday at the United Center. You're going to have a chance to win a pair of tickets, and that's courtesy of Bud Light. Easy to drink. Easy to enjoy. You might see Michael Jordan walking around. You might see Wayne Gretzky walking around. You might see Patrick Kane on the ice. Kane versus Bedard. Jordan and Gretzky. Chelios with the speech. It's going to be a great day. Yeah, no doubt about it. That that is uh, that's all highlight stuff on Sunday, and uh, it'll be a ton of fun. We um, are giving away those tickets, so make sure that you stay tuned because you got a chance to go, which is just wonderful. Thank you to the people from Bud Light for that. Um, we've been talking about Justin Fields and, and where he's at. And, and you know, look, I get it. You know, the, it's incumbent upon the Bears to do what is best for the future of the organization, for the team in the right now and in the uh, immediate future. And it, that is – the harsh reality is that they did – Use a first-round pick on Justin Fields. You know, super bizarre the way that went down where you keep Matt Nagy and you keep uh, Ryan Pace and you allow them to draft a quarterback uh, and then you and then you immediately end up firing those guys a year later. So there's been nothing but turnover for Justin Fields. And he hasn't been in the same system and they've tried different coaches with him. And you could argue that the Bears haven't done right with him. They you, haven't done. Uh, and you'd be right. Uh, no question. You could win about that it. argument yes. easily. Yes, and and you know they discovered his running ability in the second year he was here, and then they tried to revert back to making him a pocket passer in the third year he's here, and then finally they kind of understand how he's going to play, and they. They they scale down the playbook. I thought I thought that um, Olin Krutz made a great point yesterday, which is one of the things he'd like to do before he makes a decision like this would be to talk with Luke Getzey and find out how much of the playbook they had to throw out, how much they had to tear up, what the guy can do and what he can't do, what they came to a conclusion about. Probably too late. Don't you think they to know? have an exit? They know. I, I'm sure they've already done that. Um, he also said, you know, Lincoln Riley, I got to know what went wrong here, what went wrong there, why did why did he take a step back on the year? We know there were, you know, protection yeah. issues and, and all the rest of it. 
you know, uh, Dustin often talks about that Notre Dame game. You go back and look at that game. I think he played well in the second half of that game. So he did sort of adjust within the game there. That was a bad game for the offensive line from USC. Sure it was. And the Notre Dame defense rose to the occasion, and Caleb Williams did not start well. But he finished strong. That's going to be the game people point to because it was the game most people watched and can familiar with. Right. Look, when it comes to Justin Fields, yes, I'm sure that they know what went wrong. I'm sure that they know – what his a, limitations are. They know are. his limitations. Yes. They, they have a better sense of how to divide the blame pie, if you will, for 2023 Absolutely. last year between Luke Getze and Justin Fields. But I think that, Molly, it, it seems, and you could almost hear it in Justin Fields' voice, you can see it by all the things that are said and some of the things that aren't said. It's inevitable that the Bears are likely to trade Justin Fields, so much to the point where now there are odds on the team and there are – you know, people betting on his next home. Falcons are the favorite. You got the Steelers involved and the Patriots. Certainly the Broncos and the Washington Commanders. It, you could place bets on all of those. But it seems like Atlanta, because of their need, because of maybe his being him being a, a Georgia sure, native. Sure. And Justin Fields addressed yeah. the homecoming possibility. And he talked about that on the podcast with the St. Brown brothers. Atlanta would be tough. The only con of going back home is just people hitting my phone crazy. Yeah, you know, wanting tickets to the game. But I mean, uh, I think, I think they got a lot of play playmakers on the team, and um, of course, Bijan. They got my boy Kyle, and then of course Drake too. Um, they probably need one more receiver, but um, they definitely got some guys over there, and their defense was good this year they too. Had a good so. defense last year. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? One more receiver. One more receiver. One more receiver, please, sir. Yes. So I think that was uh, the pre-ordered receiver from the quarterback to be in Atlanta. I think there are a lot of lot of reasons why that would make sense. What would they give up? What What is he worth? Is it a second-round pick with the Falcons? Well, I don't think you give him away unless you're getting a second-round pick. I think well, he's. I think. Th- I think there are enough people. Um, looking for a quarterback that you can get a second-round pick. If you're the Falcons, you're picking eighth overall. Plus. plus. Yes, plus. I agree. I like the plus part. Yes. If you're the Falcons and you're drafting eighth overall, would you be more likely to give up a second-round pick for Justin Fields or use your eighth pick on, say, J.J. McCarthy, who some people have mocked in the top ten at that spot because the Falcons need a quarterback? Um, or both? It's a really good question. Um I feel like, you know, this is this is the greatest stuff going. We talked a little bit about it yesterday. You know, Mike Glennon showing up uh, to the draft to watch them take a quarterback. Uh, Mitch Trubisky uh, then going to Pittsburgh, and and I don't think he was at the draft party, but he did watch them take a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I think that that um, if you're Justin Fields, can you imagine? Leaving the Bears and they and they have drafted J.J. McCarthy behind you, so you get a year to prove in Atlanta whether you were good Maybe. enough in Chicago. Maybe I, a year. Well, I mean, that's, <laughs> Maybe five that's, games. That's a problem. See, that, that would be tough. I but, think J.J. McCarthy. I like him a lot. I think he's he's kind of one of those guys that's a bit of a gem. Um, you know, the problem is like it's draft time, so I like everyone. <laughs> so you want to kind of round them all up and bring them in. I'm most intrigued by J.J. McCarthy of all the players at the Combine next week. I'm very curious to see 
what he does, how he in, engages, and what the reactions are to him. Do you think he'll do everything, or do you think he'll wait for his pro day like most I don't know. I, yeah. I hope he does everything. I'm not quite sure what he would be encouraged to do. I think if you're J.J. McCarthy, you have a lot to prove because you still have doubts about some things that you, you weren't asked to do a lot at Michigan or as, as much to do – you weren't asked to do as much as some other quarterbacks who are entering the league who might have may have had more experience in, in a high-level passing what game. What if the Chargers were to draft him? I think, if he fell to a point where they drafted him and you got J.J. coming in behind like a really good quarterback, but you got a new coach and this is his guy. Jim Harbaugh has carte blanche right now. He can do no wrong okay. and he would be able to explain it away. He could probably get away with that because Justin Herbert, you could say – well, you always want to be protected against an injury because you don't want to have a huge okay. drop-off. I'm not saying they will do that, but I hope J.J. McCarthy goes in the first round. Yeah. But if you're Justin Fields and you're looking at it, and yeah, you know that is conceivable. They trade for Justin Fields. They draft a quarterback at eight. The question in that is that when will this deal commence? Well, it, when, it when will to, it happen? Yes. Do you think it will be before the free agency? It, it has to be done before, I believe it's May 1st, right? Is that the, is that the league calendar uh, will turn over? And I believe the $22 million would become – Well, that's the fifth-year option. Yeah, that, but that – The league, that the league would, year begins in March. But I think it's, there's a May 1st or 2nd date that has to do with contract stuff. So I think that if you're going to trade Justin Fields, the time to do it – would be to negotiate with teams while you're at the combine. When you hear they're going to have their quarterback plan in place, that has to do with with recognizing whatever that uh, May 1st or is it May 2nd date where contract stuff starts kicking in. So um, I, I think they've got to get it done before then, if I'm not mistaken. You can check it out. I think it's on overthecap.com that I saw that. Um, but at any rate, I, I do believe there is there is a timetable where you want to make sure you're, you know, getting to it before May. Yeah, of course. But I, I think that's, you know, almost it, it, it is can't drag into May. I, I, I'm curious if it will drag into, you know, mid-March. I, I wonder if Ryan Poles goes to the NFL Combine in Indianapolis mm-hmm. and – starts to talk to people, and by the time that he gets out of town, before the league year begins, that he strikes a deal. Number one, not so much to remove the anxiety as he alluded to last year. This is a different scenario. But secondly, I think most importantly, teams want to be settled at their quarterback position as much as they can going into free agency. And as we said the other day, the three biggest free agents available at that position are Russell Wilson and – Justin Fields, and Kirk Cousins. Hmm. Not in that order, but where's Kirk Cousins going to land? If he goes back to Minnesota, fine. That's one less team that you can trade with. And I don't think the Vikings are in the trade conversation necessarily. But Russell Wilson's next home could affect the way the Bears behave or act or look uh, for a, a trade partner you, with Justin Fields. You think Denver could be a trade partner? Is that what you mean? I'm wondering if they would get involved. I know that they, you know, Sean Payton is on record as coveting Caleb Williams. I don't know if that would be the move. I don't think they're going to trade that pick. But Denver is unsettled at the quarterback position, and I don't know what I don't know what Sean Payton thinks of Justin Fields. I think there's so much that we place yeah. 
on scheme fit and skill. Yes. Do you see that as a skill to fit that scheme? I don't know, but I also wouldn't underestimate Sean Payton, who created Taysom Hill. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I would ever underestimate Sean Payton's ability to get the most out of every quarterback that he coaches. So I think maybe. Do you? Um, you know, I, I, look, I think that when you start talking about the, the teams that have been mentioned most often are Atlanta and, and Pittsburgh is getting a lot of play because Mike Tomlin is said to like him and like the running ability of a quarterback period and the story. So um, I, I think those are both like intriguing possibilities. The, the, the idea of Atlanta, think about how bad the NFC South is, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that is real. So if you're, and, and I don't think New Orleans is looking to make a change or anything, but if you were a team like that, would you be interested in a guy like Fields, and could could he come in and compete for the starting job in New there? Orleans? No. Okay. Derek Carr's so your guy. You, you feel like they've Derek Carr's your guy, and Andrew Janoko is going to coach Derek Carr to greatness. Okay. They hired him yesterday. Yeah, I saw. By that. the way, that's good. He got another job. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, you know, I got to tell you, you like seeing people get can, jobs. Can I get back to the interview with with Justin Fields for a moment, please? Please. You know what the saddest moment of that interview was? The saddest moment was that he has spent three years in Chicago and maybe saying goodbye on his way out. And he was asked about his favorite memory. And this was his favorite memory. We got that? Then we have that yet. All right. Here it is. I mean, I, I would say probably the first game, the first preseason game, bro. Because if you ask me when I'm a – Sophomore in high school, like if that I'm going, or if you tell me that I'm going to the league, you feel me? I'm gonna be playing for the Bears and that. Like I'm saying, nah, you you tripping? Because if I got to set up my whole plan, my whole life plan at in tenth grade, I would say, all right, bet I want to walk on at a school like Clemson. I just want to be on the team. I don't even got to play. I just want to be on the team and get my degree and then work an office job. That's how I thought my life was going to go out. But I just kept getting better. And, um, of course, my goals started changing. But really just being out there, like being out there on the field, actually playing, I would say is my favorite memory because, shoot, I never would have thought I would have made it. So, how, how, What's wrong with that is the happiest memory? I think it's – you, You're looking for, like, a great meal he had downtown? No, no. I'm looking at it as in three years as the Bears quarterback, the most indelible image in his memory is a preseason game where he. But it's his first game uh, in the NFL, and nothing and it's he, like a dream that's come true. And nothing else the Bears accomplished exceeded that. Oh, so you're saying like <laughs> his first playoff game, or his first, he never got to the playoffs? He never and, got okay, there. Not his fault. Uh, t- pretty terrible. Not team his fault. Him. But that's the sadness, and that's yeah. where I think when we talk about eliciting sympathy is he cast as a sympathetic figure. When you hear him say the highlight of his Bears tenure was his first preseason game but and never got better than that? that? But that's more about a guy making it in the NFL. That's more about, you know, you, you – um, and he wasn't the starter at that point, right? They, they still he had – He wasn't. Uh, he was – What's his According name to Josh here? Lucas, he was at that point being very uncomfortable with Andy Dalton as a starter. Mm. Andy Dalton was the starter, and and he was behind him. Yes, 
and uh, a little and friction. He, and he got into a game, and there he is in the NFL. And you know, when he was in tenth grade, he never thought it would happen. I, I think that's cool. I think that's a fun thing for him to think about. I, I mean, obviously, I, I think it speaks to Pat just Mahomes how, is one of few. I, I think it speaks to how much futility this franchise has experienced when your starting quarterback for the last three seasons is about to leave town and his favorite memory. There's the no doubt about indelible that. Indelible image is a preseason game that doesn't matter because none of the other games he played in really rose to the significance that they mattered either. Yeah, no, there there is absolutely no doubt about that, um, that, that there has been a lot of futility. And I, again, during the era where Justin Fields has played for the Bears, there's been a lot of futility. They, the best season they had was was last year when they lost 10 games. So I think that you got to keep all of that in perspective. But, you know, the, there was a season there where the coach was on the way out and it was a really tough one where he's forced onto the field as a starter and they're, they're like, oh, my God, we can't protect him. Let's go empty backfield. Uh, and then he's going to get the ball out faster and he doesn't do that and he gets sacked about what was it, 37 times, 105 times against the Cleveland that game. Holy cow, took a lot of hits in that one. Um, then you get to the next year, you get rid of everybody, you're going you're gonna to dump the year, and you're going to get the first overall pick. Uh, that's what you're trying to get done. And, uh, and lo and behold, you, uh, you have a pretty bad year, but he kind of breaks out as the running quarterback that he is. By the way, he thinks he's the best running quarterback in the league. I heard him say that. That's, Better than Lamar Jackson. That's cool. That's cool. That? I like that confidence. How about seven yeah. away coming and at then, me? And then yesterday, in, or excuse me, last year. Well, why, why is seven away Texas asking me if I hate Santa Claus too? Um, why do I hate? Well, what, we what's know. Hateful, what's hateful about what I just said? Well, we know you don't like the Easter Bunny. And I think <laughs> it comes back to whatever mythological <laughs> figure in that I, guy's mind. Betty the Bull? You're, you're kind of messing with. Benny the Bull, you had issues with Benny I know. The Bull. I mean, that, is that Benny the Bull mascots now? Do not mess with David on deadline, Benny, or anyone like you. There, I didn't think there was anything wrong with saying that, that Justin Fields' pre, uh, preseason debut was an odd thing for him to have the most in, the most favorite memory from right. his tenure. We'll get back to this, and we'll talk about David's hates of, uh, <laughs> of famous mythological figures, including Justin Fields. Uh, apparently, that's what he's saying. It just feels the Santa Claus. I don't. I don't get it. But uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Is um, is Cody Bellinger going to be a Chicago Cub? Hope we're going to so. ask that question of John Heyman. We'll bring in our guy John. We'll talk to him next. It's uh, it's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio six seven the score. John Heyman, insider for MLB Network. Chicago is watching carefully, no question about it. New York Post columnist, curb your enthusiasm enthusiast. You hate people. Well, I hate people individually, but I love mankind. John Heyman with Mully and Haw. I like the White Sox. You never know with the Cubs. On 670 The Score. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. And now joining us on the Circus Sports Illinois Hotline is John Heyman. Download the Circus Sports app today. John, good morning. Always a joy, buddy. How are you? I'm good. It could be an action-packed show. The guy next to me at Starbucks who's 
already smoking, just came up to me and asked me if I had any extra cigarettes. So <laughs> wow. I'll be able to send him off here for a while for the next 20 minutes. But good to be back on with you guys. Oh, it's great to have you. Yeah, and, and we got, you know, I guess there's news going on. There is a Boris client that may be signing with the Yankees. At least there's rumors that they're finishing up that deal. Could that mean that the Boris clients are all getting ready to sign, maybe even a deal with the Cubs? Come on. I wouldn't count on it. Sorry about that. Uh, You know, in terms of Snell and the Yankees, first of all, I mean, we know that uh, they had made an offer to him. Uh, This is going back six weeks ago. My understanding is they were something like $125 million apart. So not very close at that point. Now, they do seem to be loosening a bit. The Yankees had said they were done once they got Stroman. Lately, it's more like, well, Boris hasn't dropped his price yet. We'll see. Uh, but right now, I don't, I, I'm not even sure that one is close. So I'm not counting on any of them right now. They're in a stare down. Eventually, uh, these teams need to get better and these players need to sign. It's certainly not good that the Cubs are basically holding a tryout at third base and that Matt Chapman and Cody Bellinger and the others are still out there looking for jobs. So, John, what was your impression of the way Tom Ricketts handled the public part of the Scott Boris conversation the other day when he essentially called out Scott Boris and said that Scott's M.O. is to get the owner involved, and he's not going to do that because that's Jed Hoyer's job and he's going to let Jed Hoyer do his job. Was that a smart thing to do if you're Tom Ricketts? I mean, I, I would say that's neutral. I, I would say that is true. I mean, he certainly uh, used to get Ted Lerner involved with the Nats, and uh, they won a championship. Uh, he got the Texas owner involved uh, with his players, uh, Semyon and Seeger, and they, they won a championship. I mean, obviously it behooves Boris to get the best contract that he can, but, you know, obviously he has the best players too. So, you know, you get the best players, you have the best chance to win a championship. I mean, to me, I think this just goes along the lines of Ricketts really wanting a deal rather than worrying about winning another championship. So, you know, the the teams that have won a championship recently, and I'll put the Cubs in that category, that was fairly recently, they seem to be a little more satisfied. I mean, Texas certainly lost its DH. They lost Montgomery. They aren't moving anytime soon quickly. Uh, Boston has come in last place three of the last four years, but they did win four championships in this century more than anyone else they're not doing anything at the moment uh you know these teams that have won championships recently just don't seem to be moving at this moment it's kind of interesting i think john that like when we think about bellinger and the cubs and what an obvious match that is we also you know you do wonder should they outbid themselves right if there is not Another legitimate bidder, what is the point of, of let's say you want to give him 185 and he's demanding 220, and I don't know what the numbers are. But why, why do you have to jump if there isn't a market for him because of fear of regression, whatever it may be? Well, I think they don't know what the market is. They don't know what the other teams are doing. I think at this point, you know, the fact that nobody is signing, that nobody's budging. I mean, you've got, you know, the two best position players out there, not counting Otani as a position player. He's a hitter. Two best position players, Chapman, Bellinger. You've got the, the next best DH with J.D. Martinez, mm-hmm. and you've got about 15 other players out there. I, I guess you can assume that nobody's doing much of anything, and you can wait it out. 
I mean, this stance has been, this is a record. I mean, this has been going on since the uh, GM meetings, because uh, I can remember being out in Arizona there with Scott Boris, and when he gave his speech, and he basically said that, uh, you know, suggested the Cubs had made an offer, and they weren't close. Uh, at this point, we don't know if they're close now. I mean, the, the, the gamble is that he doesn't sign elsewhere. You know, maybe the Angels wake up. Obviously, they lost Otani. They could use him. Toronto uh, has lost Chapman, so they could use probably Chapman back or Bellinger. Uh, you know, there are a lot of teams that look like they've taken a step back at this point, and uh, you're risking not getting him. Um, you know, if you don't get him, what have you done? You've signed Imanaga, who's a mid-rotation starter. You've gotten a, a manager with a great reputation, but are you now the favorite in the NL Central? Uh, to me, I doubt it. No. So let's talk about the White Sox. Here in Chicago, John, Jerry Reinsdorf is waging a PR campaign very clumsily the last couple of days. He appeared in front of legislators in Springfield asking for a billion dollars in subsidies for a new ballpark. And then he spoke to Crane Chicago Business and talked about how the restrictions of having the ballpark at 35th and Shields. And we can't generate the revenue needed to pay those salaries. So is the threat of the move is there. The threat of a lot of things are implied can you email Jerry to get him to respond to an interview so you can tell us what's really going on? What's your reaction to all this? Well, you know, I guess I can try emailing him. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, he'd have a better case if, if the White Sox were spending and had a better team right now. Uh, I think it's hard to convince people to spend on a team that, you know, looks like it's a rebuild. It is a rebuilding team, uh, at least for this year. And, and I, you know, I don't blame the GM. I think that they're doing the right thing and retrenching at this moment. But uh, uh, you know, they're going to have to. Uh, if the revenues are better in in, in on the west side, uh, maybe he can contribute a lot more to building the new stadium because he'll be getting the revenues, right? So, uh, you know, I, I, you're not asking the right guy because I'm. It's it's nothing with Jerry. I like Jerry, but. Uh, to me, spend public money to subsidize billionaires, I'm really not in favor, generally. <laughs> a lot of people have an issue with that, John. In terms of on the field for the White Sox, they're going to have, it looks like, four new position starters at catcher, shortstop, second base, and right field, and they've unveiled their new acronym. Are you ready? This is it. FAST. They want to play fast, fearless, aggressive, selfless, technically sound. So um, I don't know if Aloy, the idea of Aloy playing fast indicates a pulled hamstring. The idea of, um, of I don't know, the first baseman attempting to play fast, uh, that is another one. I don't know how you get guys to be faster, but they got an acronym, so they're on the right path. What do you think? All right. Well, Mazel tough for them for the acronym. I don't think the technically sound thing really works. I think you need one word there with T. But other than that, I'm okay with the acronym. Uh, as far as the team, look, I think that uh, Chris Getz did a good job with what he has to work with. He emphasized defense. I think that probably is a good way to go uh, with a bigger market team in New York, much even bigger market team in New York. Uh, David Stearns did the same thing. And, uh, you know, I think defense is still probably undervalued. You know, uh, DeYoung is one of the best defensive shortstops in the game, and you're able to get him at, at a million and a half. And, it, frankly, now if he was still out there, he probably wouldn't even get that. So, um, 
you know, I think they've done a good job with what they have to work with. And, uh, you know, I, I have more faith in him now than when they hired him. But, uh, mm. you know, an acronym is not going to uh, get you a pennant. So, John, back to Bellinger watch. There's a belief that the Cubs are really the only team in a position to sign him. Have you heard otherwise? And as for Matt Chapman, where else might he land if he isn't with the Cubs? Because they do have a plan at third base. Yes, they are holding what amounts to open tryouts, but they also might be wanting to keep that clear because they have a youngster in Matt Shaw ascending through the minors pretty quickly. Right. I mean, with Bellinger, I mean, he hit 306 last year, 881 OPS. He's finished in the top 10 MVP three times, winning at once, second uh, once, and last year in the top 10. So, uh, you know, I mean, I understand that he's not a perfect player. He's had ups and downs after the injury in 2020 with the uh, fist bump in the World Series with Kike Hernandez. Still out of work, by the way. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't the same for a couple of years. So I, I get it. These aren't perfect players. This isn't Mike Trout in his prime. It's not Gary Cole. It's, I, I get it. But, uh, I, I mean, there is a risk. There are 29 other teams. I mean, you know he's not going to the, the Marlins. You know he's not going to some teams. But there still are a number of teams that would be happy to have uh, Cody Bellinger. And uh, at some point, uh, he may take one of those other offers. As far as Chapman goes, I mean, he did not have a great year last year. Uh, I mean, it, it feels like the Jays have been signing guys up. So, you know, they did get Turner. They did get uh, Eduardo Escobar. It would be odd for him to go there at this point. I could see the Giants still, although they went to arbitration with J.D. Davis. So, you know, it's a little harder for the third baseman. With a guy who's a center fielder who can play first base, can obviously play the corners, he's got four positions. There are 30 teams. I, I would not guarantee that Bellinger – has no other options. Chapman, uh, mm. I'm, you know, I'm having a little more trouble finding exactly what landing spot he has. The uh, the Cubs, when we look at them, the change of manager, obviously that's the huge move. We're expecting uh, great things from the manager in terms of player development, working with the younger guys. I guess we're just surprised that they haven't improved the talent to the point where you could say – yeah, they, they're up and running in the same fashion they were a year ago. It seems like unless they get Bellinger in here, they're looking to to win in a different fashion and, and maybe take advantage of a managerial bump. <laughs> You're not the only one surprised. I'm sure Craig Council is surprised, too. I mean, not that he's <laughs> going to complain. He is making $8 million a year. Uh, I mean, obviously that, you know, I like David Ross. I did not think they needed help there, but Council is one of the better managers in the game. To me, if anyone deserves $8 million, it's probably Bruce Bochy, who's won four World Series in upsets. That, that's the guy who's the best manager in the game. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I guess you can feel that it may be an improvement of a game or two. I don't know, but, uh, you know, they're acting like a mid-market team. In terms of revenues, they are maybe not the Yankees, not the Dodgers, not the Red Sox, but, you know, they, they might be fourth or fifth. So they're not acting that way. And uh, to me, uh, this will be quite a disappointment if Bellinger does go somewhere else. And, and I'm not ruling that out at this point. I mean, wh- how, how can you? The guy's got four positions. Uh, a lot of teams would like to have Bellinger, although nobody, nobody's doing anything right now, which is a little weird. I mean, there's like 20 pretty good position players or hitters still out there without jobs, and Ahmed Rosario, who's a pretty good player, just signed for a million bu- a million and a half bucks. So, wow. 
you know, maybe they're just counting on, uh, you know, everybody feels like they're at their budget. I don't know. But to me, Bellinger is Tim a pretty darn good player. Tim Anderson's in that boat. I mean, he's not no, getting right, much. Right. He's going to get $2 million maybe in Miami. Uh, John, is yeah, that what's going to happen? Are there going to be like a ton of like one-year uh, low contract? One, You know what I mean? Is this going to be yeah. short-term uh, low-money contracts? Yeah, I mean, the guys like Tim Anderson, who had a terrible year last year, yeah. has been a good player in the past. Uh, they're going to have to sign a one-year deal unless they want a two-year deal at very low pay, which I doubt because he's going to have to figure he's going to come back and do better. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think almost all these guys are going to get one-year deals. Not Bellinger, not Chapman, uh, maybe M- Martinez if Texas decides to replace its uh, its guy at um, DH. But basically, yeah, I think these other guys, and there are about 15 of them, are either going to get one-year deals or they're going to get NRIs, non-roster invite, which is non-guaranteed deals. Uh, you know, uh, it was a weak market for position players, but – a lot of these players are major league players, and uh, they're really uh, scrapping out there. I, I don't put – I mean, to me, Bellinger, I don't know what his uh, mindset is at this point. Uh, but, I mean, we just started spring training. I, I, mean, I think he probably has some patience, uh, and he should get a good deal somewhere with somebody. Uh, so, I, I, for him, him is not a guy that should worry, but these other guys should be very worried. Great stuff, John. Thank you, buddy. Great catching up with you as Thanks, always. John. All right, good talking to you guys. That is our guy, John Heyman. A ton of fun to talk to John. Did you see uh, Pete Crow Armstrong? Have you seen what he's done? Blue hair? Blue hair. Yeah. Cubby blue. He's all in. Unlike the uniform. Does it bother you? You okay with that? The new uniforms aren't cubby blue. Oh, the new uniforms are just odd. Yeah, they're odd. Nico Horner talked about it. He's very diplomatic on Saturday. Dansby Swanson criticized it for not being the cub blue. So they, they it's gotta, not cubby blue. No, they've they're going to have to figure out a way to match PCA's hair. I I think his hair looks fine. So all the kids are doing these days. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, six seven and score. Well, my prediction is going to be PCA, Pete Crow Armstrong. So a Cubs outfielder will be the biggest star in Chicago by the year twenty twenty eight. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score. Go Cats. Go Cats. How about Northwestern news breaking yesterday out of the Wildcat report? This is interesting Yeah, on a couple different levels. One, Northwestern is, is local and also involves the Packers. WBAY reports from the Wildcat report. Because of what's going on at Ryan Field, you know it's being – The read, they're going to – Build a new stadium. Yeah. It's being demolished. They're being uh, – They're building a stadium making progress. So, they can, so they can have concerts for all the locals. Can't play football there, though. <laughs> Can't play football there if they're going to have music here. Not next right. year. So – I thought they were moving to Wrigley Field. I think Did they're I playing not read a game that? there. Just one? I don't know if they have released exactly how many games they will play, but what's interesting to me is that where they will play on October 19th. Okay. It's scheduled to host Wisconsin on October 19th. But Wisconsin, that's good. But instead of having a home game in Evanston against the Badgers, they will go to Lambeau Field and play Wisconsin in its home state, in its backyard, in Green Bay. Okay, time out. According to the Wildcat North, Report. Northwestern 
yes. will play a home game yes. in Lambeau Field mm-hmm. against Wisconsin. That's doing a that's doing an alum a solid. Mark Murphy, the president of the Packers, you are definitely going but, above but, and beyond. But, but don't play Wisconsin there. I, that'll I know. be that'll be packed with uh, Wisconsin. It's going to be all red, hmm. right? I, I it's a tough ask. For I David remember Braun. being in a really hot summer day, being up uh, at uh, at Green Bay for a practice, and it was I did not have a hat with me, so I went over and bought a, a hat at like the cheapest hat you could get at whatever the closest store was, and it was a Wisconsin uh, hat. It was a University of Wisconsin football mm-hmm. hat, and it was maybe three dollars and um and everyone was having fun with the idea that i was wearing a wisconsin football hat at practice for the the packers that i had gone wisconsin and i I just can't imagine that actually being a home game it might be a big draw you might get you might get paid quite a bit right if you sell it out aren't you if it's a home game yeah i think that you're making some money Eighty-one thousand seats is more than what they could get at ryan field and you'll get that wisconsin draw from that yes but it is not a competitive advantage in fact i would go so far to say mr david that's a competitive disadvantage i would liken it to what happens in the mac when when programs like my beloved ball state will sign uh, uh, an agreement to play, say Georgia, and go down and get their brains beaten in. But you know what? They're going to cash the check. So it's going to be lucrative from a Northwestern standpoint. There's going to be 81,000 people there. A lot of them will be wearing red. Not but fair to the kids. It's a home game. It's not fair to the kids. I don't disagree with that. Not not only that, it's not fair to the Big Ten because you're giving an extra home game to Wisconsin. Hmm. Just saying. If 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 I'm if I'm the Big Ten, I'd be pretty miffed if that is actually going to happen. It's not official, apparently. Derek Gregg did tell a group of alumni in New York City, according to the report, but mm. it has been circulated, and it does look like it's feasible October 19th. And people have understandably reacted in a way that it wouldn't be positive or receptive to such a plan. It's a, it's a bad idea. It's a bad idea for the yeah. football program, a good idea for the for the athletic coffers. Oh, I again. But I don't I, think it's worth it. No. You're giving away a game. And if I'm in the Big Ten and I'm competing against Wisconsin, why should they get an extra home game? That's what you're doing. You're you're basically selling a home game and uh and you're gonna as you say, you're gonna bring in money, but how does that help? you in terms of being able to compete on the field two other games are scheduled tentatively again Derek Gregg and the university is responding by not responding or saying they're still exploring options October 5th Indiana at SeatGeek Stadium hmm that's an interesting venue and then November 16th go back where SeatGeek Stadium where's that uh Bridgeview oh oh that's the fire I believe so stadium yeah I've been there that is a very intimate stadium that is a good place to watch a sporting event. I I, I like it. Yeah, I've been to fire games there. I covered yes. a couple. Uh, You're right on top of there. the action. It's yeah, good. I think it's uh, yeah, and that's probably appropriate for Northwestern Indiana. Yeah, You're not going to get that huge of a crowd. You couldn't play that one in Indy. <laughs> Lucas Oil Stadium. Hey, <laughs> you can't cash another check. Maybe because you don't you don't have maybe a former 
You don't have a, 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 a Northwestern guy no, running the no team? No alums running the Colts? Yeah. Uh, I don't okay. think so. And then November 16th, I think this is where you will be. Okay. Because your Ohio State Buckeyes Here I go. are scheduled to be playing Northwestern at Wrigley Field. See? Okay. That's uh, So you heard correctly. Again, that, you know, that's tentative. okay. Tentative. That's, no, no. They, 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 I, I had read somewhere that they were going to try to play some games at Wrigley, and I think that's super cool. I think that's tons of fun, and I would uh, I would applaud that. I have absolutely zero problem with them playing uh, at Wrigley because it's relatively close. It's a short L ride from campus, right? You can uh, you can get on the I don't even know what line it is. I haven't been on the L in a while, but you know you can get on the purple line, I suppose, from Evanston, and then get to uh, Wrigley fairly quickly. Soldier Field's also in the mix for a September 1st game if they move it back a day. Mm-hmm. So that is possible they get involved as well as, why not? Guaranteed rate field, get in on the action and go make Jerry Reinsdorf some money, some residual money maybe off of that experience so he won't be crying poor. But Northwestern has um, some options here, exploring every one of them. There are some venues they're going to have to use because – the new place isn't supposed to be ready to go until 2026. Yeah. Are they going to go down to Champaign and play there like the Bears did? <laughs> I hope not because no. that would be playing in the rival's building. Well, as opposed to what? As opposed to Lambeau Field? <laughs> I, I, you know what? Honestly, you gotta, I got I to gotta make a phone call on that one now. That is all about the green, not yeah. the green and gold. That's all about the green. Yeah. All right. 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Haw. It's Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. Yeah, of course. Of course I want to stay. To be honest, bro, I'll be trying to like, you know, with all the talk, it's, it's hard to, you know, I guess kind of just boom be in one place, but I can't see myself playing in another place. But if it was up to me, I would want to stay in Chicago. I love right. the city. The city's lit. The, the fans are, you know, they're great. And the people, but um, it's a business. I ain't got no control over it. So whatever happens, happens. Molly and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio six seven to the score. That's the voice of Justin Fields. Had a sit down, a very casual conversation with the St. Brown brothers on their podcast. Equinemius, of course, a receiver with the Bears, uh, a good blocking receiver. Mm-hmm. Nah, okay. And uh, and uh, his brother Amon Ra, a, uh, a a Pro Bowl receiver catching the ball. Pro Bowl for, caliber. I don't well, think but he made, he made it the this. Pro Bowl not this year, but last, last year. Yeah. Once you make it, you You're get a Pro that Bowl designation. Forever. Well, they, he was they he's will a Pro Bowl him, player. They will introduce him in twenty years as a Pro Bowl receiver for the Detroit Pro Lions. Former Pro Bowl player. Yeah. Yeah. I think Justin Fields talked like a guy that was frustrated by the speculation, understandably. And we heard a lot about how it, it, it was talking almost in the past tense, you know, with a sense of sure uh, regret or remorse or just disappointment about where this is headed. And I think everybody kind of senses where this is headed. He was honest and he was open. I, I thought it was very interesting to hear him talk about wanting to watch film, wanting to spend this offseason studying tape. That's what he usually does right now. Maybe he does it on vacation. I don't know. But it wasn't like, all right, how are you going to make Shane Waldron's offense better in the way that you didn't make Luke Getze's? Or how will Shane Waldron help you in a way that Luke Getze couldn't? No, none of that stuff. And I don't think he could even answer that. 
Shane Waldron, by the way, will be introduced today. I believe it's noon yes. at uh, Alice Hall. He will have his first uh, news conference, introductory press conference, the new Bears offensive coordinator. They're going to introduce the defensive coordinator. Eric Washington Eric as Washington. well. Yes. But Eric Washington, I, I mean, God bless him, but, uh, you know, it, it is it is the uh, Matt Eberflus defense, right? Matt Eberflus presumably will keep calling the plays because that's how he saved his job. Um, so I'm guessing. But we he, want to hear from Waldron. He won't be as influential. No, we do want to hear from Shane Waldron. Yes, and what do we want to hear? We want to we want to hear him. Well, here's the thing: they have yet. They claim next week they're going to reveal the quarterback plan. And, you know, that's kind of They didn't claim that. Albert Breer claimed that. Well, he said they haven't made their plan yet. I don't think they reveal anything. Okay. That's fair. Uh, But there will be a lot of rumors next week about trade talk and Justin Fields, et cetera. Um, And there will be an indication that they're going to draft one. That'll happen at the Combine. There'll be all sorts of rumors because people will be talking. Of course. Um, But I don't know that Shane Waldron – Today will be very interesting because I don't think he can pick a lane on on whether or not you draft one or you you bring. So why are you putting him out there? Well, I think it's time for him to be introduced. Why? Um, well, because he's been hired and he's ready to go. He can't let's, pick a lane though. Well, he can't pick I'm a lane. I'm being devil's advocate here, but I think okay, I, but I, I, I'm, I'm happy to why. I'm happy to talk about it. Um, I think they want to get that portion of the program over with, so he's not. At the the combine with every reporter from Chicago stopping him every time he moves anywhere and asking him questions about Justin Fields. I think they want to get it on record. Here's what he thinks of Fields. Oh, we can do this and we can do that. It all may be empty and hollow, but I think he'll answer those questions. And with a new quarterback, here's how we go about developing it. Here's what we do. I think that is a two-pronged process. Sure. He knew that when he took the job. He'll be ready to answer questions on either side. I just think half of it's going to be meaningless information. Today's more about style than substance. Sure. How does he communicate? What Absolutely. do you think of his personality? Yeah. Does he have charisma? Can he command a room? Because what you're going to get in the way of substance is very little. Because the first question that he's going to face, I think if everybody in that room does his, does his and her job very well, is going to be when you were interviewing for this job, did what you ask you the ta- questions, yes. which quarterback am I going to be yes. coaching? Yes. What and were it, you told about the quarterback plan? And if he says no, I did not ask about it. That's inconceivable. No, it's inconceivable. That's not believable. Yeah. And that's going to undercut his credibility a little bit. But I think he can make a positive impression without getting too detailed. I don't think he has to necessarily pick a will, lane. Will he wear a leather jacket? No. How will he be decked out? That's a Waldron deck joke. <laughs> well, how does he feel – about the Bears potentially building a stadium and wrecking his parking lot and garage. The Waldron Deck is a parking. It's, it's, it's the what Shane they Waldron call Deck. The closest. I park at the Shane Waldron Deck every yes, home game. Yes, yes. I, I think it's a fine place to I, park. I think it's fun to just make fun of Waldron Deck because it is coming down, apparently. It is they, coming down. When they build it. And his place. office may be crumbling, too. Who knows? Maybe it'll stay up. I don't know. Maybe maybe that the, the new Soldier Field, they'll find some other purpose for it. Who knows? I think maybe it could serve as a conduit to the 78, maybe an underground oh, path. Will there the be? Walsh, that's a good question. From the Shane Waldron deck. Do you imagine some light rail system coming in to connect 
the Bears to the White Sox with the new building. <laughs> Did you bring those plans from Seattle because they have quite a good public transit system there? A lot of things you could ask Shane Waldron today. I don't think that'll come up. No, that won't come up. I think I want to know about his philosophy. I think I want to know how much autonomy he had in Seattle and how that will translate in Chicago. I don't know if we're going to get those answers today. Pete Carroll is a defensive coach, so I would imagine that he had a lot of – he had a lot of leeway, and he was able to run his own system and all of that. I I don't think there was a ton of interference. No, you know, I listen, agree with that. Defensive minded coach likes like to run the football. That's what we're going to hear and today. That's what we're going to. Yes, you're going to hear There'll him lean into this that. idea yes. where yes. we talk about identity all the time. I think Shane Waldron is going to want to make this mm-hmm. message clear, regardless of who the quarterback is. I'm coaching and calling plays for. We are going to be a run first team. We're going to be a run-oriented team because when you get in the NFC North, when you play in Chicago, you've got to do something well, and that is what we're going to do well every month of the season, especially in December when things get kind of dicey here. Who do you believe the Bears are chasing in the NFC North? Oh, the the Lions. The Lions are the team that they're chasing. Look at the roster. Okay. Even though you may have doubts about Dan Campbell, you don't have doubts about that roster. Jared Goff is good enough to play the position and to get the most out of his talent. That is the most talented roster in the NFC North. You worry about the Packers, too? Not as much as the Lions. What if I said to you that I think the Packers are a bigger problem than the Lions? I would scoff. Okay. Well, I, I, can, tell you, I can tell you why. Pishaw, Molly. I, I believe that, and, and I don't know if this will be a Caleb Williams issue if indeed the Bears go with a rookie quarterback, but I believe that Justin Fields – when he's leading the Bears, he seems to – it seems like a, mu- a much better matchup for him, the Lions, than the Packers. The Bears you know, played the Lions in a very close game that they should have won, and they lost, and then they came back and they beat them. And they split with the Lions this year. They play well against the Lions, whether that's fields or whether that's whatever their game plan is. The two teams coaching. match up – a lot better than the Bears match up against the Packers. The Bears were not close to the Packers in the opener. I know. Which is that means nothing. We all know none of that matters. It was different teams meeting up. But the Bears weren't close to them in the finale. I know. And I, that is a bigger problem I, to me than how they played the, the, uh, the Detroit Lions for whatever I, reason. And I'll say this. The Bears, as their offense uh, last year, didn't match up well against the Vikings. The Vikings are one of those teams that that uh, you know, with with uh, with the coach up there running that defense, uh, Brian Flores. They came after the quarterback. They did different things. The Bears struggled more. I would say they struggled more. Number one with Green Bay. Number two with the Vikings, and number three, the Lions. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I think the Lions had a bad game plan against Justin Fields, and he took advantage of that. Because you promised they, to scoff. Why aren't you scoffing? I, I'm, wait, give me time. There's plenty of time left to scoff. <laughs> I'm getting to my uh, scoff I, I think when you talk about the Packers, they played the Bears pretty intelligently defensively, yeah. and yeah. Justin Fields did not quite have it. As much as, and there may be other reasons, and I'm not going to take anything away from Kenny the Packers. Kenny Clark is a big reason. Kenny Clark in is the a big reason in the middle, yep. and the, the Bears have had a deficiency at center that hopefully they'll address this offseason. I think the Lions, to me, though, it wasn't a matter of of, of talent; it was a matter of of coaching, and I think that they did not play intelligently against the Bears 
and and the fields took advantage. I think when you ask the question in the offseason, it's less about scheme and more about skill as far as what the disparity is and how wide it is. And the gap between the Bears and the Lions, to me, is wider than the Bears and the Packers because of that. Because, yeah, all the Packers have all those first-round draft picks and defense, and they have Jordan Love, and he's probably got a higher ceiling than Jared Goff. Yes. I think now we can right now he that. does right, but I also believe that the Lions have quality depth at more important positions, and that's going to be an, a, a harder thing to overcome from the Bears' perspective. I think the Vikings are definitely catchable. Who's going to play quarterback? Maybe maybe you steal Daniel Hunter from them in free agency. That Weakens them, great. strengthens you. That'd be great. So I think you could pass great them, play. but I but I just don't think that the Lions and the Packers are there for the taking in 2024 unless things change dramatically. Yeah, I I um I would say that when you um when you look at again the Bears trying to get better, that would be a really good way of doing it, you know, damaging an opponent, getting yourself better. I also wonder when you start talking about the the division, um you know, to me Jared Goff, I, I got to be careful how I say this. He's not a young guy reaching a certain level. I think he's kind of as good as he's going to be. I don't see Jared Goff getting significantly better moving forward. I think he's more of a finished product. I think we don't know what Jordan Love is yet, but it's trending really well. And he looks, he looks like good. He, he, yeah, he, he looks, looks like a finished product. Well, he looks like he fits into that tradition. He looks of like he's Green next. Bay quarterbacks. Yeah. He does. And I think that with the Bears, I don't know how to feel about where where um, Justin Fields is moving forward or about Caleb Williams. Again, I think that I probably would prefer to see Caleb Williams and, and the possibilities there and the rookie contract there. But I can understand why so many people – have fallen in love with the wow plays that Justin Fields can give you. Can't grade the flashes. Right. You can't grade the flashes, and I think overall the consistency issue is one that is going to be the you know, uh, reason enough to justify trading Justin Fields wherever the market is created or exists or whatever teams may want him. He was very candid on the podcast yesterday. He said some other things I know you want to get to. He said some things about the Lions specifically that you thought stood out. Yeah, let, let's take a listen. I mean, you know, listen, the the fact of the matter is, you know, they asked him about the t- the hits he's taking and, and the late hits in particular. And here's what he said specifically about the Lions in that regard. Yeah, I flopped my rookie year, but then I stopped flopping, but – Bro, I would go up to the rest before the game this past year and be like, yo, like, just so you know, especially playing y'all, Amara, especially playing y'all, because I know what's y'all the, play through the Why does everyone say playing us? Like, bro, bro, y'all, y'all, how do we play different? Y'all y'all play harder than most teams. Like, I will say that. Y'all play harder and through the whistle. And um, y'all y'all got some dirty players on your team. I'm not going to cap. Bro, bro. no, we don't. No, <laughs> I know we don't. It, look, bro, Who's dirty? Do. Who is 34, dirty? Bro. bro. 34 yeah. is not dirty. Anzalone, bro. He be doing a little bit too much extra stuff for me, dog. He just like, plays I'm, hard. We just, I'm that's cool how we're, we're gritty. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. But all the extra stuff, like, I'm cool I'm with a, that. Like, tackle me, boom. All right, get up. Now, I like that stuff because <laughs> I think that's true. I, I like that. You know, Echo Alex of the Anzalone. Whistle. Yes. Yes. He plays to the echo of the whistle hey, you know, and afterward. But yes. Yes. He's and a little I thought bit. Fields a couple times took some bad hits. 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, from him on the sideline one time, I, as I recall, but a couple of different times that, you know, echo of the whistle, whatever, it's cheap shot stuff. And I think that Detroit's not beyond that, and I think he's telling the truth. Not beyond that. They're almost encouraged to oh, live that they, way. That's how they, they want to play. They play like their hair's on fire. Yeah. He's got a lot of hair, yeah. and he plays like it's on fire, and he does cross the line. Yes. And I think that's a – I'd love that he called him out. Yeah, I do too. I wish that he was going to return to play against well, the Lions for the Bears in some well, ways because that would maybe spice that up even more. See now you now you're uh, now you're talking. Let's try Henry. Henry's in Rockford. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Hey Henry. Oh Henry. Oh Henry. What a surprise. Henry. Did we lose Henry? Oh Henry. I'm told that Henry's there. Andre's on the road. Hey Andre. Hey. Good morning, fellas. Morning. How are you? Um, great. Yeah, I was listening to you talk about, you know, how the Detroit defense and they, they all stacked and stuff. But wouldn't you think that it would make sense to not trade Justin Fields and get a boatload of picks? Like, I do a mock draft every morning. Mm-hmm. And when I'm done drafting in seven rounds, I have about 17 picks. Like, come on now. It's just like the Bears always – they always going backwards instead of forwards. Like, every morning? Why do you – every morning I do a draft. Every Andre's morning. serious, yeah. That's commitment. Well, I, you know, here's the thing. I, I mean, honestly, I don't think there's room for 17 players. I don't think you need that many no. this year going no. in. I think it's quality over quantity at this point. I, I, I think you need – you know, I mean, look, you need like the best player on the board – you need the best player on the board. I'm going through two first-round picks in the top ten. I think, you know, eventually you're going to need a center. Eventually you're going to need a safety. I, those aren't my top two picks, but those are guys you're going to need later on in the draft because you're going to need starters at those two positions because you just t- cut $23 million worth of salary uh, to get guys like that. I think you're going to need a um, a punter, in like the sixth or seventh round, I know you're giving me the skunk guy. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I didn't give you what, a skunk you guy. You gave me the skunk guy. I didn't even scoff. Whenever I mention I stuff like Peshaw. that, you, you know, you're like, you're, you're always like, <laughs> you're a Mr. Punter. You need to keep running the ball and knocking guys down. Is that my voice? Never punt. <laughs> Is that my voice? The old never punt okay. haw. All right, never punt. I, I'm, I'm just saying. I, I under. I'm just saying there are specialists out there. There, yes. These these are late round end of the draft type things that you can take care of. There there you there are certain things that you got to have on a football team whether you like it or not, and they got a kicker. They need a punter. I I think it's a valid point. I'm not going to make fun of it or make light of it at all. I want to get back to the mock draft idea and the every day the hall. <laughs> that's, that's something else. But the the proposed hall we refer to all the time as a hall the Bears could get for this number one overall pick. And I ask you this to consider every time you hear that. Think of it this way. And we've been talking about this since for beginning of the offseason, which was over a month now. Do you think that the proposed haul, whether it's the Giants package or the Commanders package or even the one that Ryan Poles took last year to get in this position now, do you think that the Houston Texans would take that for C.J. Stroud? 
Do you think now. that the Bengals would take no. that for Joe Burrow? Not a chance. Do you think the Jaguars would take that oh. for Trevor Lawrence? No, you got to get that position you correct. You got to stay you with the quarterback. Get, and you know what? You got to get that position with the best guy you can have. You can't. You you know you want the best player in the league. You want the best it's quarterback about in the league. Quality, not quantity. I, I, totally true. That's where you have to make an, an asterisk to whatever logic you apply to whatever argument you want to make. It's quality when it comes to the quarterback position, who, who not you, quantity. Who do you think is doing more mock drafts, the Bears or Andre? Andre. Let's Henry's back. We got Henry back. Oh, oh Henry, thank, thank God, you. Henry. We were worried about you. You okay, buddy? Can you hear me? Oh, there he is. We got you. Uh, hey, Henry. All right, look, look, guys. Okay, I, I, I'm the thing of it is, I hate the way that Justin Field is being perceived if he's going to leave Chicago because I'm a huge Bear fan and I grew up in the era of James Harris, Vince Evans, Joe Gilliam, and Doug Williams. And I know what the NFL has put on the doubt. Even with C.J. Straub, they doubted him because of all of, uh, of his upbringing when he came into the league. There wasn't a big clamor about C.J. Straub coming into the league. I don't but, know what you're getting at, Henry. What 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 are you saying about the Justin Fields? Are you are you, are you but, implying there's like a racist type of view of the way that Fields plays? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. I'm not implying that. I'm saying you can't take the bad out of the good, and we know that the legacy of the NFL has been a casting a doubt on on, on the, uh, black quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. I'm sorry, this has nothing to do with his no, race no, or, I, or I, black I find, I, See, I find this a fascinating subject, and, and I'll tell you why. Because I think what, what Henry is saying, and I think that it's kind of um, – you hear this sometimes. Like when we talk about Caleb Williams, who is African-American, replacing Justin Fields, an African-American quarterback, for some reason – there, the 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 pushback is that that Justin Fields, because his skill set is different than most NFL quarterbacks right now, the Bears somehow haven't figured out a way to use what he does, his his extraordinary athletic ability to take advantage of of him as a player. So replacing him with a guy that might be a better passer a more accurate thrower is not what it, it's like. It's almost like you look at like Pearl Monroe and the way that he played basketball and he had this flash and it was extraordinary. And, and yet they wanted him to play within a system and don't show me the flat. Don't do this play more like a standard. It's like the old Michael Jordan skit on Saturday night live where he, you know, he's whatever sweet river Baines and he's dunking the ball from all over the place. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, you got to stand out here and take a set shot. That seems to be some of the pushback on Justin Fields for whatever reason. That, that it is some kind of, you know, misunderstanding of what his skill set is. And trying to make him into a player that is more like traditional quarterbacks in the NFL. I'll address it when we come back. we okay. got a break. 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Hall on the score. I think they just came out with the – I think he had like 830 yards rushing and I had like 650. But I missed, what, four games this year? So I probably would have had him beat on the rushing yard. So I'll say me in that, that category. 
Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. That is Justin Fields talking to the St. Brown brothers on their podcast and um, and telling you he thinks he's the best running quarterback in the NFL, and that includes uh, the MVP, two-time MVP Lamar Jackson. I'd agree with them. I, I would agree with them, and I think that relates to what we were talking about before the break. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think, you know, it's, it's a fair – uh, point of view, and I think it's to be considered in the in the broader conversation about Justin Fields and how black quarterbacks are treated in today's NFL and how the evolution of the position has, has changed dramatically. But I, I don't think that, at least from my standpoint, the evaluation of Justin Fields, the projection of what he is and isn't as a quarterback, it just has never been about race. And, and I almost find myself... You have to make sure that we're all very conscious and aware of any stereotypes that may seep into our thinking, and you don't want to do that. It's dangerous and lazy. So you always are constantly checking yourself. So I don't want to come off as defensive in explaining this, but I just think that when you look at Justin Fields, as we just heard from him himself, the player himself, he is a special runner as a quarterback. But as a quarterback who is a special runner, he's a spotty passer. He is not the kind of passer in today's NFL that gets the ball to the receivers in time on time. He's not the kind of guy that has proven yet that he can rally a team in the fourth quarter if you need 10 points in four minutes. He's just not that guy after three seasons as a starter. I don't think that's race-based. Race I don't think that's having to do with the evolution of black quarterbacks. I think that he's had limitations – Imposed by the coaching staff, some by himself. That's just who he is. That's more related to his ability than his race. And I think that this, the perception of Justin Fields is that he is a difference-making, history-making, running quarterback. And it's not that off-base to think or agree with that because he believes it himself. If he's calling himself the best running quarterback in the NFL – who are we to argue with that? And if he is indeed that guy, then you have a challenge as a coaching staff to lean into that as much as you can. The Bears have not done a good job of that, but that is who he is. I don't know what that means moving forward. He could be a starting NFL quarterback with those that skill set. I just don't think that it's that skill set that's going to keep him in Chicago, and it's the smartest thing for the Bears to lean into now. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I got to tell you, I think that um... – I think he is a great running quarterback. I think it's extraordinary, and those wild plays are unbelievable. And, you know, we didn't see it as much last year, but the year before when they had nothing but him and he could run 90 yards down the field. And you can't do that in the NFL. (laughs) Like, you're just not – there are too many great players. There's too much speed. There's too many – you know, the the one – where uh, where Komet had to like jump out of the way, like don't get in the way. It, it was unbelievable, and they really sort of tapped into it. Um, I I I think he's a phenomenal runner with the football, and I just I I just don't know if if you can win with that style. I'm still trying to figure out how, in the name of God, the Baltimore Ravens lost a home game 
to the Chiefs. How did it? How did they? Well, they, they why, made. Why, why did they? Because they fumbled on the one yard okay. line, and Lamar threw a terrible interception. And I think it was turnovers and 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 mistakes, and they were undisciplined. Even though they got a really good coach, and they made some dumb moves on defense, I, I just honestly think. And of course, there is the superior player, the the great player that is Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL, and he put on the kind of Jordan show where I am the best player in the league and I'm going to win a title. This might be a reach, but if you if you wanted to boil down the Fields versus Mahomes or Fields versus Caleb Williams argument, and you wanted to kind of look at it as a, a microcosm of what it is, the AFC Championship game was that. It was essentially Justin Fields who represents the – I'm sorry, it was Lamar Jackson who represents a Justin Fields style of quarterback yeah. versus Patrick Mahomes who is you know, more like the the enhanced version of Caleb Williams or who to whom he has been right, compared. Right, right. And you saw, you saw in that game and you saw in that result why people – are picking lanes that they're picking in this local debate. You know, you're getting pushback on the text line. David, you're just more comfortable with a certain kind of a quarterback. Yes, I probably am if I'm an NFL general manager. The kind of quarterback that makes everyone around him better, the kind of quarterback that is a consensus number one overall pick, and the kind of quarterback that we consider a generational talent. That's a kind of quarterback that is very easy to be comfortable with. 312-644-6767. Charlie is on the road. Hey, Charlie. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> man, I can't were you agree calling, more. I, were you calling the cows in? What Charlie, what was that? Yeah. I, I, I tell you what, man, I'm, I don't know what's happening anymore with, the, with what's going on with the Bears. I can't agree more. I think Justin Fields, I think he's the most athletic quarterback the Bears have ever had, period. Uh but I don't – this is – see, this is where it comes in. Caleb Williams wants to have a cup of coffee in the big time, boys. And I don't disagree with that. I think he'd be – I think he'd fit in great with the Bears. But the last two seasons or whatever, we've seen an upward trajectory as far as our record. If we keep Justin Fields, do we see a winning record next year? And if we get rid of him, does Caleb – where's his line? Is it got to be a winning season, or so, is it okay? Charlie, do you want to win a division, or do you want to win a Super Bowl? It's a really good question. They, Charlie, and thanks for the phone call. They lost 10 games last year. I, I think we've all forgotten that fact. <laughs> no, we haven't. Because they came out we and they did this news conference fact. like they actually were in the playoffs. And did this you leaning, see it? This leaning, I did see the uh, the news conference. They like to sell losing but did you see, and package did you, it as, did as, you as see progress. Did you them make the playoffs? I, they did I, not make the playoffs. But they were right they there. They were close to making if, the playoffs. If only those four losses You're to open the season. You're being facetious. You wear it well. That's very good. Thank you, buddy. You're scoffing at them the way I scoffed at you. That's good. Why I would like, you scoff at sure. anyone? I'm not Can't scoffing. Can't we all have our own way of looking at but the But you world? know what? Big picture-wise, take a step back. And when you are evaluating, what is the NFL all about winning? When is, what, what, what is the bottom line? You have to win games. Just win, baby. There's not a lot of reason to put that all. There's no reason at all. It's not fair to put that all on Justin Fields. But the fact is that if he is traded, you're trading a guy that fell short of his potential for a lot of reasons, but he's not part of a winning 
organization right now. You want to start over, you hit reset, you get your rookie quarterback, you get your rookie contract, and you go from there. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I don't think anyone blames Justin Fields for the team that was around him. And, you know, certainly he played better at the end of the year than he did at the beginning of the year. I think we all understand that they, they seem to figure out more what he can and can't do. I, I just, I think as I look at the Bears and where they're at, um, it's a really good question. Caleb Williams, let's say he comes in here. Let's say they spend some money. Let's say they get some draft picks a couple more picks for uh, for Justin Fields. What does that team look like, and what are the expectations for the quarterback? Mm-hmm. And and that's a really good question, and it's something to consider. But I would say that as the team improves around him, if the defense is indeed as good as it has looked at different points, then yeah, you better be pretty damn good as a football team. That is that you want to be complete. You, you want to be in competition, and you want to be a, a complimentary football team, and not just because you're saying nice things about each other. Not that kind of compliment, but the complimentary type of team where your offense is able to take advantage of what your defense gives you in terms of field position, in terms of takeaways and turnovers, and that is what the Bears have lacked, and that is what the Bears can have if they make the right decision at quarterback this offseason. 312-644-6767. I believe we're going to talk to Bruce next. We're going to go out to uh, Arizona. We'll head to the desert. It's not really the desert. They've got some nice spots there. But we will crawl through the desert, and we will somehow get a drink of water to Bruce Levine. Hands and knees. Do that next. Mully and Hawn, the score. Baseball. Bruce Levine. It's great to talk some baseball. Score Baseball Insider, covering the Cubs and White Sox for more than 30 years. Bruce Levine is a newsbreaker. Inside the Clubhouse co-host, alongside our own David Haw. We've got a lot of baseball conversation to cover. Great being with you, talking baseball. Bruce Levine. That's a really good question, Bruce. See, Bruce, I asked the first hard question. With Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. Now joining us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline is Bruce Levine, CircaLasVegas.com. Bruce, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, guys. So a lot going on from the desert uh, and in Springfield. Where to today? <laughs> Which baseball oasis are you going to today, and what's the biggest news there? Well, I would say that, uh, you know, Springfield continues to be the biggest story. And, you know, I think the, the reporting uh, that's been done is pretty thorough. A lot of things that we've uh, touched on for the last few weeks here. Uh, have, have you guys, have your opinions changed at all? No. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, we heard Jerry telling Cranes um, that the White Sox have to have a new stadium in order to compete. And he talked about how the economics of baseball have changed. And he said that, um, that at the rate they can't generate the revenue that they need to pay those salaries. And I think the problem is, Bruce, and I've been thinking about it a lot, the point you made about Jerry as front man and are we tired of kind of his shell game going down to – you know, the whole Tampa thing and then getting the mm-hmm. stadium built and then going down to visit the mayor in Nashville. And then he's now kind of telling you that they're not making enough revenue. Otherwise, I guess they would have been in on Otani. And, and you go back to that news conference where 
he's making the joke. I can tell you we're not getting in on Otani. <laughs> like, it, it's he's the wrong guy. I mean, as simple as that, and you made a good point, and I've, I kind of had to look in my soul a little bit. Am I mad at Jerry, and I don't want to hear it from him? Or um, am I being unfair about it? I, I don't like public funds for private stadiums, period, end of story. But I do think that Jerry's just the wrong guy. They need a better front man. I don't understand. Shouldn't they have, like, a team president? I'm not saying that that Kenny would have done a better job with that, but, I, you know, I thought maybe they'd hire Kim Ng or they'd do something where there would be a person fronting this organization and this move that you didn't, you know, immediately find kind of uh, – you know, this just with the history and the rest of it, and, and you just wonder about the motivation. Don't threaten me with the team leaving Chicago because you want to yeah, do no, that. I, I, I'm with you, Mike. I, I, I think that Jerry would be better served having someone else working for him that, you know, a, a front guy, you know, a, a John McDonough type. Sure. You know, somebody, somebody that, uh, you know, I mean, John obviously, uh, you know, left under certain circumstances and weren't great. But for 30 years of his career, you know, he was considered the top marketing person in the, in the, in the uh, city and well-liked by everyone. Tough guy, but still also a very smart guy. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Uh, probably someone else would better represent that and get maybe more funding uh, going without the pushback. Because, Mike, I, I think you do speak for a lot of White Sox fans, and that is... The message from Jerry is going to create pushback because of the the shape that uh, the team is in on the field. But Bruce is getting bad advice. I think he's getting bad advice because the White Sox, as an organization for on the field, just a few years ago, were in a position to take advantage of a lot of the young talent that they had uh, gotten into the system and, and developed, and they were you know one of the more likable teams in town. And then I, I think almost you could draw a line at the Tony Larusa era as the beginning of the end. Uh, of goodwill in town. And I just wonder, why does he insist on this idea that they need a new ballpark to create revenue to be competitive? That's a new one. And then secondly, these empty threats about leaving the city. How do you explain those at this time? Why is this still part of it? Why? Because it does come across as a very threatening tone. David, I don't think they're empty threats. I think that that... And we talked about it before. As soon as Jerry would, let, let's say they don't get the stadium, okay? And the White Sox in six years are sold to a, a new group. And the first thing you're going to hear out of them is, we need a new stadium. Now, will the narrative be different at that time? Different group? White Sox in a different position at that time? Uh, maybe a better organization with uh, a, a better minor league system? Right now, the White Sox, <clears throat> excuse me, the White Sox are vulnerable because their organization is such a mess. Okay, if they're riding high and they've they've won a division, let's say we we roll this back to 2021 when they won the division, and they're considered to still have a window of winning the next two <clears throat> or three years. Would it be a different reaction to what's going on right now? Um, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, sell the team, Bruce, and then you'll have somebody that can, that presumably would have deep enough pockets to 
finance whatever oh. you're going to do. Or before you ask for a billion dollars from yeah. the public, show that you're willing to invest in your own team to the extent that most owners do in big markets. Never, yeah, never I, I a mean, single look. $100 million contract. Mm. So the yeah, only, the I, only know, way you're going to get one, you can get 10 of them if you get the billion. Is that it? I think we should analyze those $100 million contracts, okay? Sure. And, and I, I think the premise that you make is a good one, and that is you're not in the bidding for the best players, okay? That is, that's a good premise. How many of them work out when they make 100 but mostly 200 and 300 You know, look over, t- take a look at San Diego sometime and see how all those contracts have worked out right. and see – the debt that they have going forward over the next five or six years of 110, 120 million before they start the season every year um, for a small market club, that that can be devastating, and it is devastating to the Padres. It would be to a lot of teams. So I, I, I do agree that they haven't been in the bidding enough for the best players. Uh, the 300 million to Harper, 300 million to Machado. Certainly was not enough to get them, but uh, at this point in time, bring in someone else to help you out. It's not, it's not mm. the worst yes. thing in the world. That's the thing. Ask for help, seek it, hire the right person. Because Bruce, if there weren't yep. such a an obvious local example as a point of comparison with the Cubs and what they went through in terms of trying to seek government assistance to do what the White Sox want to do in the South Loop in Wrigleyville, and I think that's the thing. Tom Ricketts ran into one obstacle after another. And eventually, they had to concede a lot of things and invest their own money, and look what happened next. Yeah. It's thriving. Jerry Reinsdorf, that's not, really, that's not really going to fly because... It's not a bluff, though, David. Down the, down the road, the White Sox need this new stadium. It's 30 years old. It's antiquated. It's in the wrong place. It's serviceable. I don't like taking things away from Bridgeport. I, you know, I realize the history of it, and it's great. You know, since 1910, being in Bridgeport, uh, those things are, are important. But time marches on. You need to find proper ways to monetize your franchise and uh, and bring players in. the The next owner is going to have the same situation. Might as well get it done now. Might as well bring in the 400 billion dollars to the city. Might as well bring in the $200 million or billion dollars in new jobs. Uh, it's just, you know, uh, if, you, if you take the pushback of Jerry Reinsdorf out of it, it all makes sense. Great stuff. Thanks so much, Bruce. Appreciate it, buddy. Take care, Bruce. All right, guys. Have a great day. On Saturday show. And he's right. It, it, does, it does make sense, David. I mean, they do. It would be, you know, what if makes they sense? were, well, if they moved into the 78 and they were to do that, then. I think the Sox would be here for a very long time. There's no doubt about that. Yes. I mean, you're talking about a 35-year commitment at least with you build yes. a new ballpark there. But, but don't, uh, don't expect people to build that for you. No. I'd love the idea. Yes. Who doesn't love the idea of a, of a new idea. stadium in the South Loop? Right. It's a good Pay idea. Pay for it, though. That's it. I want to live in a dream and, house. I want to live in a yeah. Taj Mahal. I want to live in a lot of places. I want to. I want a lake house. I want some place, a villa in France. Whatever you got to pay for it. But you got to pay for it. And and again, if you can't pay for it, feel free. You know, t- tap in, get what you can get, and let somebody else come in, and maybe they can pay for it. 
It's a hard quest and, to respect I, when you don't I, invest in I, your own team. I have a problem with something you said, which I will tell you I can't wait. when we come back. Scoff and pshaw. It's, it's uh, Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio 670 score. Now go ahead and ask me whatever you want to ask me, and I'll answer whatever I feel like. There you go. There he is, Jerry Reinsdorf. Yikes. So I said something. Maybe it was to Bruce. Maybe it was just me on a anti-public spending rant. I don't know what it was. But what was it that I said that you said, hmm, I don't agree with that? Okay. Uh, and again, this is just a technicality. But you said that you thought Jerry was taking bad advice. Mm-hmm. And I got to be honest with you. I don't think Jerry accepts any advice. I think Jerry is doing <laughs> what Jerry does, and I don't think Jerry has anyone that's whispering in his ear, go hire Tony La Russa. That would be a, that would be a plausible explanation for all that's gone wrong since that point. I think Jerry operates as Jerry wishes to operate. A smug. And I and I I don't I'm it's not pretty smug. Well, I'm not. I don't mean it as a criticism. I just don't think he's getting any advice. I, I mean, honestly, I think that well, it's the not whole Larusa thing, and then the defense of that, and then still hanging around with him, and all this stuff, and then everything he's done going down. Do you think someone told him, Jerry, you got to go to Springfield and let everyone know what's going on? I think Jerry operates kind of on his own in his own know. little island. I don't I, know that he I, has I think advisors. Everybody's got an inner circle, don't they? Especially somebody with his his reach and clout and power. I believe that as the chairman of two pro sports organizations in town, his infrastructure with the Bulls seems a lot more polished and in, in functioning at a, at a higher level and more smoothly than, because than the he's one with, with the White Sox. He's withdrawn himself from it. He's extricated himself from the process, so it works yes. much better. Right. What should that tell you then? His son is there, and then yeah. AK, and he's got. They have an Michael established hierarchy. They've got a president, a GM, and they got they got nothing but Chris Getz that I can see. Do they have like a hierarchy at the White Sox? No, they don't. I mean, they Scott, have people that work. Scott there. Ryford is in charge of uh, communications, sure. and he's the longtime ally of Jerry Reinsdorf. And I think that when you look at how the White Sox operate, and we look at how the Bulls operate, uh, again, this is a very difficult statement to make in light of uh, the. Ring of Honor ceremony that did not go well and was not well sure. executed, but I do think that generally speaking, they should have run it this weekend. <laughs> they should. <laughs> <laughs> generally speaking, the Bulls run smoother than the White Sox. I think generally speaking, there are a lot of professional sports organizations in town and elsewhere that run smoother than the White Sox. It's an interesting thing you bring up, though. At the point where somebody feels like they are, they are above getting advice or seeking advice or needing it, that's when, you know, what, what you don't know can hurt you, really. And, and what Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't know about this process or seems very naive for somebody of his stature, somebody who's accomplished what he has, what what has he ever learned about messaging? Nothing. You know, even, It's so clumsy. Even in this Crane story, as he simply explains to you why they have to move to the downtown site. I, I mean, honestly, I read it and I think, you know, he's probably right. Yeah, they should move downtown, no doubt about it. I still wouldn't give them two, you know, nickels to help in that process. 
Do it yourself. Do it yourself. Establish that. It would be your legacy. Or at least make it clearer what you're willing to invest yourself. To this point, what we've been talking about this story for several days, almost a week tomorrow. Do you know yet? Is there any clarity about how much well, financial I mean, capital that the Jerry Reinsdorf or his investors will commit to this? Is that been clear? Has that been made uh, it, it, reported? What it, What's been reported, and this is Jerry talking to Cranes, is that the project itself to move the team to the to the uh, South Loop, South Loop, yep. to build up the hotel and the areas around there. That's a $4 billion project. And Jerry's looking for a billion to, to kind of smooth the way. So that would indicate that he and, and his partners, including the 78 owners, would be willing to put up $3 billion uh, out of the $4 Just not billion. for the ballpark. No, no, the ballpark's like $1.8 or whatever it so is. So Jerry and his investors are willing to spend on the infrastructure and the amenities and the entertainment district around the ballpark, but the ballpark itself will be financed with public money. It sounds like it. But that sounds it? like the plan. Yes, that does sound like yeah, it. Yeah, well, this is Mayor Johnson, Mayor Brandon Johnson, who weighed in finally yes. on yesterday. Quote, I'm grateful that both organizations, speaking of the Bears and the Sox, are committed to having these conversations. As far as financing these projects, both organizations know that they have to put some skin in the game. They've expressed a commitment yep. to do that. Mayor Johnson sounds like he's open to it. Let me tell you something. But he does he continue, also, Molly. I don't know about that. Okay, At, quote, okay. as far as public dollars, we haven't gotten into any of those specifics. Yeah. But I will say that we're going to explore all options, but we have to make sure that we're doing right by the people of Chicago. Well, look at Look, you know, the mayor, his budget, they're talking about, you know, they got to borrow money in order to be able to pay off everything, right? I mean, that's part of what mm-hmm. the bu- part of what the budget is is going further in debt. You know, the governor is he revealed his budget the other day and and you look at everything that is happening in Chicago and with the migrant crisis, everything that is going on, that's tons of money. I don't know how much. I don't know where this surplus of funds. Oh well, the TIF funds. Oh well, you know we need to get into it, that Isha stuff. I mean, I understand what they want, and we should take taxes. You know, I'll tell you something else. I read a story in the Tribune uh, about gambling in Chicago. Did you see that stuff? Did you see the numbers on gambling and the amount of? Uh, of money that was made from people investing in that, um, you know, I guess just tax more of the gambling, right? Forty-three percent. It said that um, uh, they that they are forty-three percent a year over uh, year tax, or excuse me, gambling increase. Wow, forty-three percent. It's extraordinary how well, much people money people keep spending money so, and finding money to gamble. Yeah, so you want to move the gambling tax to like 35% from 15%, and then all of a sudden, I mean, this is what we're talking about, you right? the kind of revenue that way. No, it's a good point, whether it's locally in Chicago or statewide with Where's the governor. Where's it coming from? You, we heard from Governor Pritzker on Wednesday, the State of the State Address, and, you know, he talks about the budget and the proposals and the pushback, and he's talking about things that are more important than the everyday lives of Illinois residents Pensions and migrants. Thank you. You know, police and and education. 
kind of thing, the kinds of things that, that improve the quality of life that are government issues that should be addressed. And I think, I think resources that should be committed to those types of things rather than, oh, by the way, a billion dollars for a ballpark. Well, you see, here's the thing. Now, and this is the bottom line. Do you believe that Jerry Reinsdorf is trying to create a legacy where the White Sox will be here for 30 years thanks to what he's managed to do by moving the team into a new downtown stadium? Or do you think Jerry is going to make one last splash before he's done with the White Sox? I don't have much confidence in Jerry Reinsdorf making one last splash. I, I just don't think. No, that, I mean money in his pocket. I, well, don't, I mean I, splash for himself. I don't think he's going to be successful. Maybe I think, this is what is he's Jerry aiming for. Is Jerry looking to earn more money it, for it's, himself it's, and his investors? Then, then he is getting no advice well, it, or he's getting bad advice yes. or he's not getting uh, the counsel that he def- definitely desperately needs. But, uh, you know, as we have said a thousand times, it, you know, South Loop Ballpark, this sounds great. The renderings, good God. Let's oh, let's all imagine walking along there and how much he, let me flag down a water taxi. I'll just jump from here, sir. Pull underneath. Um, Traffic come, that'll get you there by the third inning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what it's going to be. I mean, it's it's a, so it could be. It's got to be a lot of planning here, but yeah, it just, it's I, unfortunate oh. because what happens in it, the, the message messaging is clumsy. The optics are bad, and I just think when you show up the way he showed up and you're as dismissive of the legitimate questions that really have yet to be addressed, and you pick your own media outlet to try to send a message and manipulate the process, it's just a bad look all around for the White Sox organization and Jerry Reinsdorf specifically. 312-644-6767. Meanwhile, your team's going to play fast. F-A-S-T. Tom's in Valpo. Hey, Tom. Hey, guys. Long-time listener. Um, Wanted to talk about the franchises in Chicago, Mm. specifically the White Sox, the Bulls, and the Bears. Um, You know, the Northside people woke up and and sold the team, and Ricketts bought it, and I knew right then that things were going to change for the Cubs, and lo and behold, Seven years later, we got a title. Mm-hmm. I think the franchises should be sold. Reinsdorf owns the Sox and the Bulls, am I correct? Yes. Okay. I'm not a Sox fan. I was a Bulls fan in the 90s, kind of closet fan the rest of the time. But I think if you really want to make a change and stop hiring all these bargain basement coordinators and coaches, you're going to get better than bargain basement results. And that's really all I wanted to say. I'll hang up and listen to you guys talk. Thanks, yeah. Tom. Appreciate it. Yeah, I, I, are, the, I, are the Bears doing that? Is that bargain basement I, stuff? I don't I, know. I don't think the Bears. I, I, I don't I, know. That's something they are, but, are but, really trying hard to outgrow. It's a, it's a label that has been affixed to the them White for Sox? years and generations. White Sox, I'll say this. I don't think the Bears are doing that. They're trying to make a, a deal to own a stadium so they can make money. I yes. don't fault them for that. No. It's the NFL. No. And that's what every franchise does that is doing it right. Mm-hmm. I, I think if you want to look at the, the, the White Sox, it, frankly, they do look cheap the last few days. They look cheap in the way they showed up in Springfield. They look cheap in the way that they're uh, going hat in hand to ask for a billion dollars in subsidies. They look cheap in the way that um, they are f- 
formulating a public relations campaign that looks second rate. Guaranteed rate to second rate. This is the White Sox PR plan. It's not good. Yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, it's hard. It's, I, I, you know, I, I think you'd be really hard-pressed to find somebody that is going to, you know, and I'm talking about like in the legislature, you know, find a politician that wants to carry water for what Jerry's looking for. I don't think you're going to find I, one. It's going to be hard, man. I mean, you you had people, yeah. okay, this is not political, but you had politicians <laughs> yesterday reacting to Governor Pritzker wanting to commit so many resources to the migrants, and you had people coming out yeah. against yeah, I know. investing in the migrants. You think you're not going to, who are you going to find to support a billion-dollar publicly supported baseball stadium? <laughs> Who's the fool that's going to be waving that flag? Yet to be elected. <laughs> Pat, Pat is listening on the Odyssey oh, app. God. Hey, Pat. Hello. <clears throat> Good morning, gentlemen. Good hey, morning, Pat. Pat. Hey, earlier, did, did that Andre say the Bears needed 17 players or he did 17 mock drafts? No, he, he he does mock drafts, mock drafts every day. He ended up with 17 players out of the draft. <laughs> oh, I thought he said he needed did seventeen mock drafts a day. No, uh, no, impressed. one mock draft a day, and he got seventeen players with whatever moves he was making. All right, well, listening's a skill on my part. So you know, I, uh, I I do think you can make the case that they could use a dozen players, but you know, one thing I haven't heard kicked around, and I think I think it's an opportunity that, which the polls hasn't done much of, which is probably good for the most part. But there's a couple contracts. Sweats and, and uh, Edmonds that he could restructure this year and very simple restructures and free up, you know, another twenty five million in cap space this year. Yeah, but they, they but don't they, need they it. Got they cap don't space. need it. You know, the cap's going up. They've got great cap space, and they've got like they're already like sixty seven million and below you, the cap. You just said it. We didn't talk about it. The cap's going up significantly. Exactly. <laughs> like they're going to have to spend money because they've got to make sure they can meet the. They got to get to the, the floor. Cap. That's right. They they are not going to be short of 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 room on the salary cap to afford whatever they want to afford in free. They agency. can they can do whatever they want football wise. Their caps in great shape, and they've got a bunch of picks, and that it, is that's cheap labor. You know when you're talking about it, you get two top ten picks, it's not you know there's a structure to these contracts, but it's not overwhelming. It's not beyond the pale. It, it restarts the clock on the quarterback. You're you're in great shape. The Bears are in great shape. NFL teams are going from two hundred twenty five million dollars under the cap in twenty twenty three to two hundred and fifty. Yeah, in twenty twenty four, a lot of cabbage. Let's try Chip. He's uh, he's talking to Mully and Hall. Hey, Chip. Hey guys, I just uh, always get a laugh out of listening to Reinsdorf. You know, talking about uh, needing to compete. We have to do these things to compete. Well, I look and I see places like Tampa. The Rays seem to do very well. I mean, you're in the third major market, which means that everybody below you is is a poor franchise, so to speak. And yet somehow they find ways to compete. In the NBA, you look at it, Denver. That's a much smaller market than Chicago. They seem they, yep. if I'm not mistaken, have an NBA title. Yes, they I see do. Minnesota, Oklahoma City doing very well right now. Yes. He's his arguments don't hold water. And I have to admit, too, I think when I listen to Bruce kind of defending a lot of what he's saying, I agree that moving to the uh, 78 would be a good move. Yes. But for the reasons stated, 
it doesn't hold any water whatsoever, and I don't see them really calling him out on such things as that. I mean, if Tampa is going to be successful, Texas, the Rangers just, I know they spent like drunken sailors, but they won a World Series. You can't use that argument anymore. I think that's a good point because the Tampas of the world, the Diamondbacks of the world, the teams that don't have great payrolls and win anyway destroy the argument that you need a – new stadium and a steady flow of income to to win in Major League Baseball, as well as the fact that, again, it goes back to show me you're investing in your own team to the degree that is is to be competitive and will understand your argument a little bit better. I don't want to pick on Chris Getz. That's not what what I'm trying to do here. But you look at Jerry, and so you get rid of of Kenny and you get rid of, uh, of Rick Hahn. And then you promote a guy whose job was to increase uh, player production. The guy's job was to get your young players up and running and ready. You know, Project Birmingham. You promote him to general manager. I, I and I and I'm not. I don't know how he'll be as a general manager. I hope the two guys he hired. The, the baseball guys in terms of, you know, position guy and the and Bannister, the pitching guy, I hope they are good because you're going to need to develop players that you didn't really do when you were in charge of developing the players. So now you make him your general manager and you wonder, did he earn that job? Is he good or was he available and are you used to him? Was he in your kind of line of sight? No, he was, was in your that- price range. Well, and and that's another. He thing. was in your price range. That's, a, that's another issue. And I like Chris Getz. I, I know but he you was do. in your price range. Okay, but so what does that mean for the development of the players that you didn't develop previously? And now we're talking about well, you know, they traded guys, so they got better players coming in. Do they? I, I I'm going to be really curious. They got just just when you look at their lineup, we don't talk about the Sox much, but when you look at their lineup, they got four new players. They got a new shortstop, a new second baseman, a new right fielder, and a new catcher. Those are going to be the four new players. And then you look at the guys that are left over. What happens with them? How good are they going to be? You got one player in Luis Robert. I I, I know Andrew Benatendi said he had the best offseason of his life. I know that Eloy thinks he's going to hit 75, 104 home runs. I know that uh, Yoan Moncada is finally healthy and ready to go. We have seen these players, Andrew Vaughn. We know who they are, and the four guys you added, are you adding anything? I don't even know who the right fielder is. Dominic and I, Fletcher. I apologize. I know his name, <laughs> but I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Well, he needs to stand up a little taller. He'd be the shorter guy in the lineup. He's five foot six, right? Didn't you tell me that? You told me that. Okay, one of us said So it. you must know something about him. Apparently, one of us has been looking them up. Let's talk hockey. We're going to talk hockey with Eddie O next. Mully and Ho on the score. Yeah, I mean, since the day, you know, that night that Pearl Jam announced it, uh, all kinds of stuff swirling through my head. Excited, you know, emotional. Um, T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Over here. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.